Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. All right. Today, what is the best pet to have? I have my thoughts. We talk about that. Then we talk for a good long while about the deceit dilemma. Um, can Adam and Eve really be responsible um, for, uh, you know, disobeying God? And They were deceived, right? The Bible even says Eve was deceived. How could they be culpable? Let's tell you how. Okay. Then we talk about... Um, Evidence for miracles, uh, resurrection, things like that. People often think how crazy it is. You're like, you really believe Noah's boat can float? It's not even physiologically possible to float. Look, it's not buoyant. Blah, 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 blah. Or, oh, you really believe serpents and donkeys can talk, do you? That's my snarky atheist voice. Um, yes, yes. So the answer is, look, if you believe, if you're going to think something is crazy, think that, you know, against human history, that there's some sort of creator God in the world, uh, you know, that created the world and everything in it, um, the universe, everything, most people, even not Christians, believe in some sort of creator type deity. So go against most of humanity and say, well, that's not your thing. Um, you're the minority. It's not a, not a populist fa- fallacy or anything like that. You know, billions of people can still be wrong. But it's worth noting. Um, anyway, so in Christianity, though, if you want to talk about a claim that's crazy, um, that, yes, we have a creator God, the God of the Bible, who created everything in existence, okay? There you go. If you want to complain about something, complain about that being far-fetched. Um, if you get past that, everything else is a simple hand wave. It's like, oh, talking snakes, talking talking donkeys, talking whatever. Yes, people walking in water, people raising from the dead. Yes, people getting healed, blind eyes opening. Yes, if you have a God that created every molecule, exist- every molecule in existence, everything else is so simple. So it's a giant hand wave. Anyway, we talk about that. And uh, anyways, the point was, uh, look, evidence for mer- miracles. If you believe the testimony of Jesus raising from the dead, you know, people say um, extraordinary evidence or extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Well, people take one eyewitness testimony as evidence in court. We have multiple eyewitness testimonies in the Bible for the resurrection. So I would say that is um, about four times better than what you would normally just admit to court from, you know, the word of one witness. Um, Anyway, so then we talk about Elisha and the she-bearers. Was it Elijah? No, it was Elisha. Elisha and the she-bears. Anyways, so were these like little bitty innocent babies just uh, having a laugh and got eaten for it? I don't think that's fair. Um, Were they... uh, I don't know, vicious mockery, mocking teenagers um, who were doing more than just saying things. Were they like trying to, you know, like really mug the guy, beat him up, like being uh, physically aggressive? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of interpretations, but I guess you'll hear our final thoughts if you stick around for the end. And uh, man, uh, th- there is a time like uh, no people do not have the chill necessary today. Um, I-, I get a little worked up when people try to tell me about my own beliefs. I'm like, wait, wait, uh, Mr. Atheist, who denies the existence of God and spirituality. Um, why don't I just tell you what I believe, and then I'll accept your answer when you tell me you why you don't believe in a God, or whatever. So um, anyway, I do get a little um, grumpy when people try to tell me what I should believe, based on their rejection of my religion. Anyway, and then there are some other people who follow suit. <laughs> so it's fun. It's cool enough, Um, so check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, coffee mug, whatever, support this podcast, sharing the gospel with people on the internet. Have an awesome Wednesday. See you later. We often have the favorite pet conversation, and I always think, like, you know, you kind of want to go exotic, and I I think a little exotic, but where I'd be happy is not some, like, you know, very rare thing on the planet that's, like, weird and, like, completely savage. 
Um, but as soon as I say that, <clears throat> I, I think my perfect pet would be like a mountain lion, like, you know, about 120 pound, like mountain <laughs> lion. Now, hold on. And uh, yeah, um, I, I think that. So if I had one from birth and raised it, um, you know, that's that's about the thing. I th That's the, the craziest thing I would be uh, comfortable having to fight against. I mean, even though it would still probably win, um, if, if I had to, it if it like turned on me, I'd be like, all right, all right, let's go. But probably nothing bigger than that. And until it tried to eat my face in my sleep, I think it'd be a really cool furry pet, except the amount of food it would have to eat. Uh, so that would be cost prohibitive and the amount of poop. Um, but as far as just being a little furry cuddle buddy, uh, you know, until it ate me, I would like to give it a shot. Or domesticating raccoons in a raccoonery. We did talk about that, right? Um, I, I would like to take a shot at domesticating raccoons. Okay, but Chris, um, you got, Chris, you got to remember with the chinchilla too. You can't get them wet. They're like gremlins. Don't get them wet. Uh, Guess I sent you and and Connie made it up here. Guess I also invited you. Let me know if you can't get up. I know I. In, there he is. And hey, they, Connie, what's up? Uh -huh. Cuddling with a mountain lion is there's just something wrong with that. It's like a body pillow, but with, you know, soft fur and, you know, fangs or teeth. And or big, thick muscle and sharp claws and teeth. They just look so cooler than, like, their counterpart, which would be, like, I don't know, like, a, a great wolf or, a, like, Siberian wolf or something like that. Because, like, you know, cats, even, even, like, little cats on a domestic level, like my dog, like, they just look weird, right? Like, cats, they, their arms look, look, like, super, like, just, arr, like, ripped and ready for battle and thick. Um, unless you get them wet, then it's hilarious. But, um, and then like dogs and wolves though, like their, their little arms, like even if it's a big, scary dog or even like a little pit bull, like, you know, compared to their cat counterpart, um, that I, I guess maybe it's a lack of not so much puffy fur maybe or whatever, but like their, their arms just look real tendony and sinewy and like real, real thin and weak, even though, I mean, I, I guess obviously they're strong, but they look very, very thin compared to like cats, like, you know, their, their shape of their arms and legs are just like really thick and like. Arr. it's weird it's weird man i don't know what's up connie do you have any unusual creature pets i do i had a pet skunk oh. um yeah i bought it up in oregon where evidently you can buy them they <laughs> they they take the the uh stink glands out but they missed one in the oh. one that i bought they missed one but um, they're really great pets. They're like a cross between a cat and a dog. Do you still have it? <clears throat> no, 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 no. How long that was do when they... I was that was when I was like 20, 21 years old. Huh. So did they like, it... destroy things, or were they trained, or you? No, it's just like having a little a, a, an animal that's a mixture between a dog and a cat. They're they're very friendly. They they uh, actually uh, obviously live around people because there's, uh, you know, our bridge when there's people. But um, uh, yeah, I had it in. Uh, I had it at the Blue Top Motel. Bought it up in Oregon. Lost it uh, on the way back at a at a Christian Brothers uh, <laughs> trailer in the duck work and could, looked and looked and looked for it. Couldn't couldn't find it a couple of weeks later here comes this hippie in a backpack knocking on our door and said this is your pet skunk he brought it he he hitchhiked and brought it to us but um <laughs> it, it was fun to have 
uh, she followed me around the the place everywhere I went. And one day I came home and there was about 70 people <clears throat> in my house. And um, so I, there was no place to sit. So I sat down on the floor and she was right at my heels and I sat on her. And that um, unexpected gland that they had removed uh, <laughs> went, on, went off. And you never saw 70 people move so fast in your life. But um, yeah, she was great. She was great. That's the most exotic, probably, pet that I had. But wow. I, I, How about you guess? <laughs> I just love the chinchillas because there's no smell. They don't stink like rodents typically stink. They're so clean. I had a ferret. The ferrets are awful. They smell so... They're fun, but they smell so bad. Yeah, I heard that. I had a friend that had ferrets, and oh. I never got really close enough, but yeah, he said they, they smell. They were fun. They have a lot of character. They're not, I wouldn't quite call them a cross between a cat and a dog. They have a lot more personality than cats do. Um, they're much more uh, interested and intrigued by interacting with people than cats typically are, but um, oh, they are you offended, smell. Banana? You should be. Smell. That's Go my back. that's my cat. My cat's staring at me. <laughs> it's really surly. Like the other cat is man. These both these cats. They're I, I need my money back. I mean, except it only costs twenty dollars for both of them. But I mean, you know, all the other cats I've had, like you know, they they remotely uh, act like they care a little bit about you, and they're friendly and come around and stuff like that. Man, these cats, both of them. I mean, one is is sort of kind of friendly, but also really annoying. Um, but her sister, man, she's just big and grumpy. And just stares at you all the time. Um, anyway, guess how's your uh, pet luck going? Do you have any interesting animals? Uh, I, I didn't topic? have anything on that topic. It was uh, more of the room topic. All right, so go for it. You guys are done. Go right ahead. I think we're good with animal stories. Uh, all right. This is well. This is completely different. So you're free, ready to get into that. Um, so I've been kind of, kind of looking at this, uh, this problem, I think in the Bible <clears throat> of the concept of, um, it's like basically the deception dilemma. So I think, I think the, the ability to be deceived, it pretty much destroys free will. And, um, I don't know, it's like, I guess some Christians believe in free will, some don't, but, um, so I can kind of set this up just a little bit with some Bible verses, and then you guys can give me your thoughts. So um, we've got the serpent in the garden deceiving Adam and Eve. Um, the serpent, not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it kind of lays it, um, it ties back that the serpent was actually Satan. So we can go into verses with that if you want. Um, <laughs> Satan is the father of lies. He runs around the earth looking for people to devour. Um, people can be deceived not by Satan and his devils only, but by other people, false prophets, um, false apostles. These are people that God has imbued with his power because these people can perform great acts. They can perform miracles. They can perform signs and wonders. Um, <clears throat> and they're imbued with God's power. So God is expecting you to somehow determine between these false prophets who can 
2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 14, Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. So in my opinion, like how can a human withstand, it's like a, it's like a toddler going up on, against an MMA fighter. If we have Satan who can literally masquerade as an angel of light, he can appear before you, he can deceive you. How are we as humans to go up against that and be expected to, to come out the other side with the right answer? That's an awesome question. I love it. I just want to ask a little clarifying thing first. Um, okay, so is this, um, it sounded like the end was a little different um, than maybe the beginning. So is the beginning, or is this like a two-part question? Like one, um, how can Adam and Eve really be responsible for this because Satan deceived them? And then to wider humanity, um, how, same, like how can we be expected to have a chance against this deception? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, it's mainly, it's just the deception. So just the Genesis story was uh, just kind of recanting that, that in fact, Adam and Eve were deceived by like Satan himself. So it's just kind of building the case of, of deception here. Okay. Uh, I'd love to hear what other people say, but I'll take a crack at it first. So first of all, I'd say um, it's kind of like, you know, when people, a little different take from the deception thing, but same vein, like people will say, how can Adam and Eve be responsible? They didn't know what sin was. They didn't understand this regardless. Doesn't matter. Like, even if they were deceived, they knew one thing was fact, like the very God who they had the uh, they had the benefit of empirically knowing, seeing re repeatedly over and over. So they knew this God in every sense of the word existed and was there. And this God told them one thing, do not eat this tree. So that right there is the the shining factor in this, that no matter what happened, um, no matter how crafty the serpent or anything else was, um, they knew um, that empirically, this God, they, they empirically verified right in front of their face all the time. Uh, they knew he gave them one job, um, well, one thing to not do, and they disobeyed. So I would say that right there um, is the answer, um, that it doesn't matter what else they were tricked with or anything else like that. Uh, they did one thing God directly said, do not do. Um, and then to the wider question, um, about people today, like, you know, if these are like super crafty things, beings, the devil, spirits, whatever, that have been around forever, and their whole job is to like be evil and get people to mess up and do evil. Um, there's a couple of Bible verses that come to mind. Uh, there's, there's many more on the subject, but a couple that come to mind is, um, you know, with man, uh, Peter, I think Peter's talking like, you know, well, who can then be saved? Like go through an eye of a needle. Like how, how is this impossible? And Jesus says, look, with man, uh, there's some things that are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And in kind of like Christianity 101, these are the most basic tenets that, yes, you on your own, you cannot save yourself. Uh, you are powerless. You are screwed. The only hope you have is to put your faith in Jesus. And we're told that for people who do that and are born again, the Holy Spirit of God himself will live with that person. Uh, not to be overly preachy, but this is straight in line with the answer to your question. But the people who are born again and Christians, God himself will live with that person and give them power to do these things. So, um, you know, the Bible also says, you know, test everything and hold on to what is good. Well, if you're doing this on your own mind, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, there's a, the heart of man is, is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? That's the point, right? But we're told when we're Christians, we're given a new heart, a heart of flesh, and a heart that is in tune with God. So, uh, yes, with man on your own, it is impossible. With God, it is 100% possible. That is the entirety um, of that message surrounding that. Um, I, I love that question uh, because the biblical answer is just so apparent. Um, do you want to respond real quick and then we'll see if anyone else had a thought on that too? Definitely. And there's a lot there. I guess you, you kind of took it in two different directions, uh, which is cool. So 
Um, I want to try, I'll try to, we'll try to section it off. So I don't, I don't respond to everything. And then it's kind of like, we both are kind of like responding to too much at once. But so just on the, the Adam and Eve thing. So, um, let's say, I think it's, it's a great analogy to use like, like a fatherly analogy to, to this. So, um, let's say I've have my toddler and, um, and I, I, so my toddler knows that I am like, I've told them not to hurt people or whatever, don't, don't push people. But, you know, I could convince a toddler to push his sister down the stairs. I could say, Hey, you know what? Your sister's going to fly. You know, you just have to push her down the stairs. Don't you want her to fly? Don't you want her to be free? And I could convince my toddler to do this, but whose fault would it be if I convinced my toddler to push her, her sister down or his sister down the stairs? I think this is a direct analogy to the Adam and Eve garden and in, in the garden. Like, why would you expect the toddler of Adam and Eve um, to not like succumb to the, the awesome deception of the most powerful liar, father of lies? How do you think it's their fault at all? Well, uh, OK, so religious answer first, uh, both can be culpable. Um, political answer. No, I don't care who does it. It's like a freedom of speech. I, I just have to weigh in on the political side. It's like freedom of speech. Like, I don't care if someone calls and advocates for murder of someone. That person should not be criminally held responsible because it's going to take someone to then hear that somehow rationalize in their own mind and go do it. It is 100% the fault of the person who commits the actions. Anyways, but religiously, no, I mean, both can be culpable. But again, remember, it's not how they were tricked. Like, the devil's already screwed. Like, it's not like he's innocent in this. Like, he's already, like, you know, doomed for all eternity. So, you know, he's going to get his. I think from his perspective, he's just trying to, you know, shove a thumb in the eye of God and, you know, mess with the God's creation as much as he can. Because why wouldn't you? Like, he's the ultimate evil that ever existed, and he hates God, and by extension, hates all of us. Because um, we are not automatically, you know, in the same boat as him. Um, we have a chance to repent. Um, so, no, I, I mean, the devil can completely be culpable, too. But again, Adam well, so and is it the toddler's fault. That's just what I, I just wanted to know. Like, would you so would you blame the toddler if I if I convinced a toddler to push his sister down the stairs? You would uh, you would like you would blame the toddler for that? Yes. Yeah. If yes. The, and, and I want to say, like, all analogies break down. But this one would be with want of understanding. But yes, I would blame the toddler. Um, I mean, if they can understand your instructions, um, I'm just going to say that they have a working mind like Adam and Eve. You can say, well, even though they were maybe adults, um, again, they still understood the one instruction God gave them concerning this, which is do not eat. So, yes, if I, uh, you know, if a toddler can understand me and I'm like, hey, go shove your sister down the stairs, they're going to know if they can understand my instructions to do that, that it's going to cause something bad. <laughs> so, yeah, in that scenario, I would blame the toddler. But in another scenario where you would say, well, the toddler had no idea, um, uh, you know, no idea it was going to cause hurt or pain. They were just following your instruction. Um, that wouldn't be apples to apples. You would have to say, hey, toddler, do not ever push this child down the stairs. And then they would say, OK, I understand that. Uh, you know, th they would understand that instruction. And then it would take someone else to come, like a teacher or another friend, and say, hey, push them down the stairs. They don't need to know it's going to cause pain. They don't need to know the outcome. All they know is that I told them not to do it. That's their only job is to not do it. Yet they disobeyed me and they did it anyways. So even if the outcome was good and they pushed the kid down the stairs and, you know, they didn't get hurt and, you know, they, they got candy and it was all happy and everyone had a good time. They still disobeyed. So they're responsible for disobeying me. Okay. I think, well, I, 
I think that's like like if I convince a toddler to like do math, like you're just gonna like blame the toddler for every bad action. Like, because obviously, like the toddler, like all things equal, and like they just like live a good life. They're not gonna like become violent. They're not gonna do crack if they have like a good father. So if we have a good father, they're not gonna push them down the stairs. But the father was the one, or um, you know, the the father created somebody to go deceive this person. Obviously, they wouldn't push them down the stairs if it wasn't for the fact that. They were lied to and they were deceived. So how can you place the blame wait, on a toddler when they wouldn't have done that? Yes, wait, why is two questions? First of all, why is that obvious? Okay. Second of all, like what makes you think Adam and Eve were toddlers? Like what evidence do you have that they just didn't have the same level of intellect as Satan? Yeah. I think that that's the false equivalency that makes that analogy hard because um Adam and Eve weren't toddlers. And I think, like, for me, just to answer the original question that you posed, um, Nate kind of hit the nail on the head when he was just specifically talking about the the story in the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> Adam and Eve knew God. They knew God. They knew what he wanted, what he expected of them. They had a direct relationship with him. And to answer your question about how we as Christians today, number one, I don't think that God would have directed us to do something that we weren't capable of doing, which was, you know, he said multiple times, do not be deceived. We're warned multiple times not to be deceived. And I think that the way that we protect ourselves against that today, against all of the potential for deceit within our faith is to know God. And the way that we know God is to know the scripture. If you know the scripture and you know that someone is teaching, speaking, you know, doing something that is antithetical to the scripture, then you know not to be deceived. I mean, I, I think it really breaks down to be as simple as that. The toddler analogy doesn't work for me so much because, you know, even I personally don't even believe that God holds children accountable. I think that there is an age of accountability, um, but I don't think that Adam and Eve fit into that category. So I, I think that that's kind of like a false equivalency. I don't think you can really use that example. Now, if you said, um, you know, used the father-parent relationship, but Adam and Eve are grown children, and of course the father's not going to attempt to deceive them because that's not what happened in the Garden of Eden. Someone else attempted to deceive them um, and was able to do so because they they didn't listen to their father. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think this breaks down really simple. I think the answer to the question is you have to know God. If you don't want to be deceived, you have to know God. And right now, the way for us to know God is through the scripture. Okay. So there, yeah, again, there's there's a lot there. I, it seems like what most people were saying here was they were having contention with the analogy here. And so I'll try to, try to just make this analogy more clear. Well, well before you do, though. Uh, well, yeah, I think it may be unnecessary because, like, I, I think the simplest way to answer the question is just just to go all the way back to the beginning, which is how can Adam and Eve be responsible? Because God told them one thing to not do, and they did it. That's the answer. So, like, no matter how more analogies we do to complicate things, um, the simplicity is that they have one thing God said don't do, and they did it. Um, so that that will always be my answer. Okay. Well, so no, uh, <laughs> I guess no offense, Nate, but it seems like. It seems like we'd be done here. Like if you if you think 
that like if I convince a toddler to do math, you're going to blame the toddler. Then I think we're just we're like our values are just fundamentally different. And I think most people would disagree with that. So well, I don't know if well, you and that, I could continue the conversation, but well, I think other people here would disagree with that. Well, maybe, but that's not the point, though, because we're arguing on something that's not concrete. Like we're, we're trying to take Adam and Eve and then like torture the analogy to like little ch children and like want of understanding. So I would even. Well, that's what I, was trying to, to, I was trying to strengthen well, the analogy because well, well, right, like you guys are questioning that. Well, the only time we need analogies is when it's not like directly represented, like in its simplest form, like Adam and Eve and like one thing don't do. They did. So like no matter how much we analogize it, we don't need to like like the best. The best example is right here. So so I just think like you need analogies for things that aren't as clear as this. Like we have a concrete example. Um, so it's like, well, well, trying to analogize it to get a favorable answer that you're, you're kind of wanting. Um, it's not going to do justice for the actual story we're talking about because the answer is just glaring. So, so I don't think he's trying to get caught up in the story. Let me, let me try with, with this cast. Your argument is that the very nature of deception alleviates man from responsibility for moral acts. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think it, it definitely calls in question the concept of free will, like the ability of humans to be deceived. Okay, so like, let's put aside the whole thing about free will for a moment. Like, the idea that because you can deceive somebody alleviates them of some type of moral responsibility is, is I'm trying to think of a nice word, like a poor take at best, because, I mean, like, just because I can deceive somebody about whatever, that does not alleviate them from moral responsibility for subsequent acts that they may take. Like, if I whip somebody up, uh, like, I get Nate all excited about, like, you know, um, punching Nikki Haley in the face, right? And, you know, because he's a huge Trump fan, and I'm telling him, like, a whole bunch of lies about Nikki Haley... And he happens to have, like, he's going to something where Nikki Haley's going to be there, and then he does punch her in the face. First of all, I would bear some responsibility, but Nate w would absolutely be culpable for his actions. For and I would never do that for the record. Yes, I know. I'm just using a, a, a really concrete example. But, like, it doesn't alleviate Nate as the moral agent. Even though he was deceived, even though he believed a bunch of lies about Nikki Haley, it does not absolve him of his moral responsibility for punching another human being, right? I mean, it's just, it's just the mechanism by which, you know, he made that moral choice. And putting aside all the free will stuff, like, that's a different conversation, I think. Like, you know, deception, um, first of all, deception is never from God. Right? God does not deceive. God does not lie. Uh, God is a man that he cannot lie. Numbers 22, right? So, um, you know, and, I, and you said something curious as well, that God had imbued people with powers to confirm their deceptions with miracle power. I, like, you're going to have a hard time instantiating that anywhere. In I've got Bible verses for that. Oh, that'd be great. Like, I mean, if you want to go through those, we can go through those one by one. But the, that's just, that is. Well, where would, I, where would the false gonna... prophets get their powers? Where do the false prophets get their powers? So, again, you said you had Bible passages. False prophets don't have any powers. Yes, they can yep. perform so, signs and wonders. Yes, they can perform signs and wonders. Have you not read these no, no, verses? Hold on. Hold on. 
the false prophet can perform false signs and wonders or lying signs, just like just like the magicians in Egypt. It's not that they had magical power to produce these serpents. They used a parlor trick. And so when we talk about the difference between what creatures can do and what the transcendent God of the universe can do, they're on two totally different planes. So I can, I can create a lying sign and wonder um, that is just a parlor trick that, you know, whatever Chris Angel can go do um, that, that is not magic or supernatural at all. Um, and that's the type of thing that we see in the scripture. So almost always when you see something along the lines of some kind of a lying sign of wonder by some kind of a deceiver, it's not actual supernatural power being brought to bear. Um, Satan has no supernatural powers. The, the only supernatural power he has is that he's a, he is a spiritual being, right? And so we don't know what that means. We don't know how that works, um, but that's it. Like, he doesn't have, like, the power to raise somebody from the dead or the power to heal somebody or the power, like, any of that stuff. Like, Satan has no special powers. His only power is lies. Um, this is what the Bible teaches. So, I mean, you would have to really instantiate a Bible passage to show that agents of Satan or agents of deception have access to God's supernatural power outside of God's desire like, outside of God's uh, decree. Because that's just, I mean, that would be a radical position that you would have to hold. All right, well, I mean, so we could, we could get into the Bible verses, but it's, it's clearly obvious that Satan, who can traverse through heaven and hell, he's been in God's court for, like, millennia. He's hung out with God. He knows all the angels. Obviously, this person is going to be more powerful than a mere human. So, I mean, we could get into the Bible verses, but just that well, well, hey, like, he's going to be way well, more powerful than a human. Well, okay, let's... Well, let me say something there, because you wanted to talk about Bible verses. Yeah, let's get into some. So this is what I alluded to earlier. I actually bothered to look them up. So that's what we're saying, right? And this plays a part in me saying, well, you know, Adam and Eve were responsible because they had one job. And maybe you think that's a little heavy-handed or unfair. But don't forget, the Christian or the theist is coming at this with a whole spiritual side that may not be considered by someone who outright denies the existence of spiritual stuff. So, you know, on our own, you know, like I said, yeah, we are powerless. It is, as you say, I would agree. Except the entire point, uh, you know, the entire point of the Bible concerning the subject, like, uh, you know, First John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and, uh, and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. So this is an emphasis of believers that you're not just on your own, like, you know, subject to, you know, this devil and bad angel demon things. They're way, way smarter and infinitely been around longer than you. They are. They may be greater than you to some degree, but they are not greater than God. It's God living in you. The last one. This is going to be a long one. Buckle up. Um, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and uh, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Exactly what we're talking about. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but the rulers and authorities of this world, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all this to stand firm. Uh, stand, therefore, having fastened on, and it talks about the you know, spirit of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and all this stuff. But that's exactly what we're talking about here. So on your own, yes, I agree, we are doomed. But for the person who puts their faith in Jesus, God himself living in you is greater than the stuff we're talking about in this conversation. Okay, I digress. Yeah. 
Well, so we could. There's a lot of topics here. We could get into the armor yeah, of God and how like how like useless of a concept of that is. Like how like what is the breastplate of righteousness going to do for you against Satan? Like be more righteous or like the helmet of truth. Like that's the whole point. We're trying to figure out what's true. So how is putting on that like the, the armor of God's totally useless? And we could get into that later. But um, maybe what might be a good thing is to go all the way back to where. Oh man, now, hang, hang on. So, I, I mean, that was a. I want to let you talk, but that, that was a really, that was, I mean, that was a really hard challenge. So, you know, let, let's put away maybe the, the imagery of like the Knights of the Round Table. So, okay, what is, is totally useless, right? That's your claim. The armor of God, totally useless. What is truth? Uh, okay, is truth, uh, it doesn't matter what you think truth is or whatever, if you haven't discovered truth. We're trying to figure uh, so, out what truth is. <laughs> right, right, right. Hang on, let me just, uh, let's go in order. Okay, the whole armor of God, blah, blah, blah. The belt of truth, if that's weird for you, is truth better than a lie? Would you rather know truth than a lie? Hopefully, what sure. is truth? Because, that's what not truth? what I'm. That's <laughs> first order. First order is truth better than a lie. Would you rather know truth than a lie? Hopefully, we all say yes. Then we talk about okay, what is truth? Okay, well, this is for the believer. So if you're not a believer who accepts Christ and the Bible is truth, then that's this is not your conversation. But for those of us who do accept, you know, this, you know, this God as truth, then truth, this truth that we have, is certainly better than something that's false. And then we talk about the breastplate of, light, of righteousness, right? So if breastplate is weird and, and it makes you think you're going off to fight dragons or something, righteousness, right living, uh, doing, doing righteousness, doing good living, is that better than bad living? Is being helpful and good and pure of heart and motive better than evil of motive? Hopefully we'll say yes. Uh, the shoes of your feet, uh, peace, the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, that eternal life in Jesus is just a prayer and a belief and a confession away. Is that better than eternal damnation? Most of us would say yes. Even if you don't believe in eternal damnation, you would say, oh, well, you know, peace with this God, even if you think it's fake, the story goes, peace with God and all good things and flying around on angel wings is certainly better than torture forever. So you don't even have to believe this. You should, but it's a dichotomy. So everyone should agree that, okay, well, if this is true, then this is certainly better than the opposite. That's the whole point of this. Okay. I'll try to let someone talk for a while. I, I, I did yeah, hear it looks Daniel like Daniel to say wanted something. To, yeah, 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 we could get Daniel in this. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, my question is for Nate, and it's, um, has not the potter the right to make of the same lump of clay, one per special and one per common? Yep. Do you object to election? Depending how you define that, no. Okay, so the potter has the right to make of the same lump of clay, one for special and one for common, such that the vessels of his mercy know the treasures of his mercy all the more. So let me just explain what, what's being described, that um, the vessels of his mercy, in some sense, are aware of his wrath being poured out upon the vessels um, of his wrath, right? And they tremble, as anyone would, right? They would, they would appreciate God in such a way that they would realize that their mer the mercy they were shown was unmerited, you see, and they praise God as they as they see his wrath being poured about poured out upon <clears throat> pardon, sorry poured out upon the vessels of of his wrath now i ask the question again <clears throat> does god not have the right to make the same lump of clay one for special and one for common 
Sure. Okay, then what is your objection to God selecting those in advance that will be saved? What is your what is your opposition to that? Uh, well, a couple things. First, are, are you remembering a past conversation, or are you just assuming I think that? Um, but no, God can do whatever God wants. Um, I think, though, if mm-hmm. you take the total, I think, and me and Chris will maybe disagree slightly, but if you take the totality of Scripture, um, it may not be as it appears just you know reading a certain passage. You take the whole Scripture. So if you say um, you know God totally selected these people, like like Chris would say, and some for you know some for good, some for bad. Um, you know, salvation or, or to be passed over, I would say, you know, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. But I think the Holy Spirit is drawing pretty much everyone, and everyone can uh, can say, yes, I choose Jesus. And if so, congratulations, you're one of the people God created for honor. If you continue in your rebellious state and say, no, I reject that, or I don't have enough evidence, or I withhold judgment, and you stay in that state forever, then you are one of the people who you can say, God selected for dishonor or for common use. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, thank you for that. And I, I'd want to press a bit. Uh, so I'd want to ask the question. Um, is God glorified in the eternal conscious torment of those whom he prepared in advance for his wrath? Is that a yes or no question to you or is it different? I'll say yes. So God is glorified as he prepares those vessels in advance for eternal internal conscious torment such that his justice is displayed is that oh, is that right uh yeah so i mean i don't i don't mind yes or no games uh, but i do like to nuance at the end but i'm going to say yes and then i'm going to say you said a couple of things there okay. um that that i would like to nuance so you said uh, something about justice 100 percent. i mean the bible outright says this this is justice so if if you think um you know people burning in hell forever conscious torment whatever is just um you can disagree, but you can't say the Bible doesn't say that because it definitely does. So, uh, you know, the wages of sin are death, right? So if you don't want grace, then you're going to get full justice. So people that are like, I want to pay, if I did something uh, wrong, I don't want Jesus paying the price for me. I want to be a man. I'm going to pay the price myself. Congratulations. That's what eternal conscious torment gets you. And that is justice. And yes, God is glorified. Like we talked about Romans 9 yesterday. Not, not you and I, we, but the group. We talked about Romans 9. And it specifically mentioned how if God's patiently putting up with these people who are basically destined for hellfire conscious torment, it's to show, by contrast, the amazing riches and mercy and love he has for these people who actually fall in line and cry out for mercy and salvation. They will receive it in abundance. So it's kind of like, how do you know bad unless you know good? Or how do you know what good is unless you know what bad is? Um, So we can disagree with that, but then, you know, we just disagree. Oh, cool. Thank you. I didn't know you were a Calvinist. I thought that it, this was, there was a Calvinist. I'm not! Thing. But you just described the Calvinist. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. You did. That's Calvinism. No, Welcome. no. If you, goodness. I just, I just got to stop fighting it. No, no. I said, I said, shut up, demon. Darkness, I said, come to our side. I said, Chris would disagree slightly because the thing you thought I said, Chris would definitely agree with. But remember, the very first thing I said that Chris would disagree with is 
uh, if it seems like God is totally making some for good and totally making some for bad, yeah. I think mm-hmm. you can choose, though. And if you choose, which Chris would not no. agree with, if you choose not a Calvinist point, no. um, then you are one of the ones God made for good. If you choose not to follow God, that is why I'm not a Calvinist. Why can't you people hear me? <laughs> Hold on a sec, brother. Does God make some for special and some for common? Yes or no? And hey, does he yes. prepare them in advance? Okay. So welcome. That's Calvinism. No, this is the danger. It's unbelievable. It's just unreal. Daniel, this is the this is the pitfall of yes or no's. If you pigeonhole me into yes or no, I'm happy to oblige. But then if you don't want to listen to the nuance I give, this is why you think th- th- things like that. So, yes, God does do that. Why does God do that? Because I believe the person has freely basically made all the choices they're going to make in their life in some way before they're born. So whenever you get around to saying – you think God cares what you choose? Is that what you think? Yes. Now tell me. Hold on. Do you you think that the creation is made um, to, to glorify the creation? No. Let me explain something really briefly. Wait, yeah, okay, I just want to set this up. So you atheists are going to why tell me I about my Christian beliefs. Because well, you're being obtuse. No, sir. Okay, well, I ha- I, I, I'm kind of done with that. Like, I mean, I think if you want to have a discussion, that's fine. <laughs> but if you're going to, like, tell me about my beliefs and just interrupt the moderator, I don't know. Like, you're usually more chilled than this. I don't know what the deal is. Let's try again in a little bit. But that can is I, my answer. Can I talk to him for a second? I wanted to ask him a question. Just ask him in the chat. Daniel, Daniel's got, he's, you know, he's Daniel. So. Hang on. Well, if I could um, throw a monkey wrench in this real quick. Um, Have you guys looked at. Hang on. Before we move, before we move on, can someone acknowledge what I said? Chris, did I quote, uh, am I basically ready for my Calvinist robes with things like, yes, I, I agree with Chris about God did this and God did that. But he does care about our choice. Choose you this day who you will serve, yada, yada. Are we saying that's Calvinism now? Because one Yeah, that's Calvinism. All right, freely make your choice. Freely make your yeah, choice. With your freely make your choice, and your, and your choice <laughs> will match, will have compatible with the sovereign decree of God. But it is a free Okay, uh, CEO, if you wanted to ask your question, then Daniel can <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll bring him up in a little bit, and then Gas can throw in the monkey wrench. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, just on topic, this. I'm just yeah. enjoying this so much right now. <laughs> I hate you all. You know, it's like Chris's love. <laughs> Sorry, Nate, Nate, I couldn't hear you over Chris's historical laughing. His maniacal cackling. Yeah. I said, uh, ask your question in, in voice. And then if Daniel wants to answer, we maybe bring him up in a minute. Um, and then Gas wanted to throw a monkey wrench in. And then Edwin hasn't got to speak yet. So go ahead, CEO, okay. and ask an audio yeah, if you want. I, but, yeah, I just wanted to ask Daniel, what, what, again, is the practical value of the perspective? Because if it feels like choice to us and we don't have access to the knowledge of who is predetermined, then what is the practical now, practical value of his perspective? Okay. Uh, oh, and real fast, hang on. Someone asked me if I could read Proverbs 30. I, I don't know what I'm about to read, but they wanted me to re- read the first part of it. Um, and then we'll see what Gus had to say. Uh, the man declares, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended to heaven and come down, 
Who has gathered the winds in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Uh, I don't know how far I'm supposed to read. Just a little more. Uh, two things I ask of you. Deny them not before me. Uh, deny them not before I die. Uh, remove far from me the falsehood of lying. Give me neither poverty, poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be uh, fool and deny you and say who is Lord. Okay, I think I think that turn. I, I think the point was in the first part. Um, you know about basically we don't know stuff. I love how the what translation ESV. Uh, surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not. I have not the understanding. I have not learned wisdom. I, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Um, so I think that is pretty poignant for this. Um, <laughs> uh, Gas, uh, you said you had a monkey wrench. Edwin, did you have anything to say on this topic? Or Well, this is on topic um, here. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I just a quick verse that I wondered if you guys had seen. So um, Matthew 24, maybe this is more for Chris than, uh, than Nate, but Matthew 24, 24, um, it talks about how God... Um, gives his power. Well, I mean, this is a bit of a summary, but God gives his powers to people to lead others astray. And then at the end, it says, even the elect possibly. So it seems like that's almost a contradiction where even the elect can be led astray by Satan. But I don't know if you guys have looked at that verse. It's even the right. elect, if possible. If, po if that were even possible. Yeah. Then if anyone says to you, behold, I, here is Christ. There, there he is. Do not believe him for false sorry i'm gonna turn my brightness up okay so for false christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to deceive again there's no there's no indication that these are miracle signs and wonders only that they are lying signs and wonders uh so as to deceive if possible even the elect behold i have told you in advance therefore if they say to you behold he is in the wilderness do not go out, or behold, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and appears in the west, so will be the sun, coming of the Son of Man. Whenever the corpse is there, there the vultures will gather. This is just saying that there's going to be, you know, false signs and wonders. Does, let me ask you something. The quote-unquote signs and wonders that they're doing at all these, like, hyper-Pentecostal churches like Bethel and you know, places like that. Do you think that that's real? Gas? Do you well, think like, you know, the, the fake healings and, you know, do you think all that, all those quote unquote signs and wonders, do you think those are real? Definitely. So yeah, I'll just give you. Oh, you definitely of... think those are real? Well, no, no. You definitely I just think want... people no, no. at Bethel are like healing people, but if like the people that, well, like, but the people who have like no legs. And we're strong enemy. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that here. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, but just answer my question real quick, though. I'm are are those lying signs and wonders like the crazy people at Bethel that are claiming to heal people when they're really like, you know, just you know, making your sciatica feel better for ten minutes? Is that is that healing people? Is that is that a true sign and wonder? So on on the internal critique, I believe that is um, analogous, and I can I can give you a little bit of a higher level reasoning for that. So if you look in, and this is a little bit of homework you can try. So if you look at the wordage of, so it usually says like miracles, signs, and wonders. 
cross-reference that to any time it references Jesus doing that, it's the exact same wording in the exact same order, miracles, mm-hmm. signs, and wonders, the same that the false prophets do that Jesus does. So that would suggest yeah. it's the exact same thing. No, it does not suggest that. Again, that's not how we read any kind of literature, the Bible, an Ikea manual, a math book. We don't take context from one passage and apply it to another, right? That's just not how intelligent people read. And so yeah, if you that's read like how... a cooking book, like if it said two eggs, flour, milk, and right. another recipe Again, said two eggs, that's flour, not milk, how, you, you that's do the not same how, exact thing. Right, that's not how intelligent people read though, is it? Right, you wouldn't read a science book like that. You just wouldn't, okay? No, context um, is super key. Why don't you? Yeah, wait, you don't want to. You want to throw out context now, or? No, I'm saying you're throwing out context. What you're doing is you're saying take this passage and read this narrow portion of it, and then read all the other narrow portions of it where Jesus is doing real signs and wonders. You're going to see the, the same thing. No, that's not how intelligent people read. Intelligent people take context into account, and when he's talking about, they're literally talking about lying signs and wonders and lying Christs and that these things are not true. And yet you are eisegeting that the signs and wonders are genuine because, again, logically, it makes no sense. God is not giving supernatural powers, okay, i.e. I outside of the natural world, to false prophets and deceivers. These things do not occur in scripture and you can try to, yeah, copy they do. When Moses, that... um, when Moses fought the people that turned their, their, the staffs into snakes, I literally referenced Janice and Jambres. I literally referenced that, uh, earlier and no, that was About a parlor trick. Yeah. Like 15 minutes ago, I referenced that. And I specifically pointed that out as a parlor trick and not a real sign and wonder because creatures cannot do the supernatural. They cannot create ex nihilo, okay? Like that's literally philosophically and theologically impossible because Uh, Satan is just another creature. He is not the necessary being. He is a contingent being. Anything that is supernatural would have to come from the necessary being because he is the one who set the rules for the universe in motion. The only one who can break the rules is the one who wrote them. Like, it doesn't make any sense philosophically or theologically. It's just nonsense. Let me jump in here real fast because this is turning into from Ask a Christian to Tell a Christian. And, you know, Daniel, I brought you back so you can chime in. But um, uh, we're also going to go to Edwin next and then some of the other new people that have been waiting. But, um, yeah, Daniel, I, I just kicked you because it was like, I mean, you know, people – you're usually a respectful guy, so I don't know what the deal was, but, um, you know, people still say you're respectful, whatever, that's fine. I'm not offended. Um, but when it went to, you know, I'm not. usually, re- well, usually respectful conversations don't go something like, wow, the causing of dissonance is real. Um, and then I try to like nuance it and you're just like talking over me, like telling me what I believe. Maybe that hits a little bit of a nerve. Um, anyways, but the point was, um, there is no cognitive dissonance because I don't care. Like, as I see it, um, you know, Chris and I very much have some differences they may seem non-existent or subtle to you, um, but it, it, like if I fit the bill and I'm just like, yes, this is what I understand Calvinists believe, um, and oh, look at that. My beliefs are just like them. Guess I fall in line with Calvin, uh, but because some of the beliefs I hold do not, um, that's why just looking at it, um, it's just not that way, but I don't care because if it was that way, Calvinists are fine, Reformed are fine, non-Reformed are fine, uh, um, Arminians are fine. It's all fine. Like, put me in whatever category you want. It's all fine. I don't care. Uh, my only interest is accurate. Um, anyway, um, 
Daniel, did you want to? Well, hang on, not quickly. I'm just because CEO asked asked you something. I don't know if you answered it in chat, but Edrin's been raising his hand and waiting a really long time, so I would like to get to him. Um, anyways, it's all good. Um, hey, Nate. Edrin, what's up? Talk? Yes, hey, please. What are, What are your thoughts? I just kind of relate to the topic when Satan took Jesus to an exceeding high mountain. So he, he did he take him on top of the mountain? How did he do that? How would you say he did that when he was being tempted? Well, the first thing I'll say is this is not a case for a flat earth. No, I, well, okay, okay I'm, I'm, I'm talking about him. He took Jesus. He took Jesus. He took the body of Jesus, it seems, to an exceeding high mountain. I'm just yeah, asking, he took him to how a, did he yeah, do he, that? Did he, use a, did he use a vehicle? Did he transport him supernaturally? How did he do that? Well, like most things, when the Bible is silent, it would behoove us to be silent. But, okay. uh, you know, let it be known, this is from the mind of Nate. This is not the Bible. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it says he showed him all the places. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Um, so did he do that somehow in the in like a in like a, a spirit or like metaphysical dimension somehow where Jesus is like yes I see what you're trying to show me um, I mean it could be um, it could not be it could be something different or it's like yes uh, you know because we're, we're we've been around for eons um, yes you've shown me this I, I immediately have a picture in my mind because I know exactly what you're referencing yeah, yeah just to clarify the ski lift. Just, just, just to clarify, I'm talking about he. It says he took Jesus. I'm just saying, how did he transport Jesus? I understand he showed him the kings of the world, whether it's through a vision. So that's another issue. I'm just saying, do you think it's literal when it took Jesus to an exceeding high mountain? That's that's what I'm curious about. Did he took Jesus? How did he take Jesus to the high mountain? That's all I'm asking. Do you think he transported the body of Jesus somehow to the top of a mountain? How did he do that? I don't know. Uh, that, maybe. Okay, maybe. that's okay. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know because the Bible didn't say, but I mean, I think my maybes are not too far off base. Like, you know, maybe he took him in, in like some spiritual journey. So maybe it wasn't literal. Or maybe he's like, hey, follow me and use his little demon legs and walked and Jesus, you know, walked okay. up with him. Um, Would you say that's a so, super? Okay, so it was a. Okay, so I'm just saying, do you think that's evidence of a supernatural ability? That's all. That's the reason I'm I, I don't know. The okay, Bible is silent on how it happened. Um, it sounded like Kevin wanted to weigh in, though. Kevin. No, I agree with you. The text doesn't say anything about how he did it. It just says he took him there. I mean, but if you look at the preceding verses, it says the spirit led Christ into the wilderness. So how did that happen? Right. So um, it, it could be a matter of just interaction and him just being led there by the, uh, the text is just not explicit on that. It doesn't tell us. Okay. Cause it, okay. Cause I, I just think it, I think of an exceeding high mountain. I don't know how high this mountain is, but it seems like it is very, very high. I guess could he have walked it? I get, I, do you think that's realistic? I don't know. I'm just saying it, sure. someone so, might use, someone might use so it as an evidence the, that the <clears throat> devil has supernatural abilities. That's all I'm saying. That's all the reason why right, I'm The devil it. has that's no it. supernatural abilities because yes, he's I know not you're the saying necessary that. being. I, like, I know it is you're literally, that. philosophically, okay. and logically impossible. Okay. I, I, I know you're saying that, Chris. Make that. I, 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 I like to get in on this. I, I know, I know you're luck. saying that. I'm just suggesting <laughs> it's an exceeding high mountain. Some might suggest some type of ability the devil has that I don't have to transport somebody to an exceeding high mountain in a day. I don't know. I don't right. know. Well, well, it's simpler. It's simpler than that, though. Edwin, hang on. See you. Hang on. I, I'm, I'm going to let you take over. But Edwin, um, there, there, maybe I've caused this. Maybe I've got some kind of weird energy today, but it seems like you ask a question and you're, it sounds like you've had like a five gallons of coffee 
Um, so you're asking, and then as people are, are giving, you know, conjecture and talking, which presumably you ask for, um, you keep interrupting them. So I, I don't know um, if, if I, I don't know what's going on, but maybe like we both, uh, preaching to myself too, need to take some deep breaths. And, uh, you know, if we ask, then, you know, let's I, listen for a Yeah, while. I, I asked um, the question that Chris just asserts. The devil has no, no, so every, well, so, so every CEO was CEO is going to take it. For, See, yeah, I want to. Uh, so, Ebra, I'm going to take up your point with Chris. Edward, why are you still talking? Edward, Edward, I want. I'm, I'm going to take your point up with Chris. Oh, he's gone. Okay, all right. So, um, so, 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 Chris, first, how do you define supernatural? I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Being able to at will break the laws of the universe. Okay, if your existence isn't within what we understand as the current laws of the universe, do you consider that supernatural? As I mentioned before, Satan is a spiritual being, and so he is not bound to the physical laws of, like, gravity and things like that, okay? He's a, he's a spiritual being, just like angels, you know, they're spiritual beings. So we don't even know what that means. We don't know what their constraints are. Um, but certainly being able to um, physically interact with the world and to do acts that we would consider outside of the natural ability of creatures, Satan does not have that power because Satan is a creature just like we are. It's just that he's a spiritual being. Does he have more knowledge? Sure. Does he have a higher intelligence quotient? Certainly. You know, like all of these things. You know, is he able to produce lying signs and wonders? Absolutely. You know, is he able to do actual supernatural things? Like, could could Satan raise a human from the dead, for instance? Absolutely not. Could Satan regrow somebody's limb? No. Like, no, these are supernatural acts that are reserved to uh, God, and this is, the, this is the exact argument that Jesus is making when he talks about the blasphemy of the well, Holy well, Spirit. Chris, can I just get in for a second here? Um, so I, I guess my confusion is the very kind of existence of Satan and, and angels, like by definition, aren't they supernatural just for existence? But that's one point of confusion. I right. So no, not in the definition that I'm giving you for supernatural in terms of interacting with our world. Like an angel cannot regrow a limb. An angel cannot raise somebody from the dead. Only God can do those types of things. Okay, that is what I'm talking about, violating the natural laws of the universe. Okay? Okay, um, I, got your I, got, okay I got your definition yeah, now, walking, so let me answer the question. So when we water, have... You know, got it. He so enable that, you to walk on water. No. Like, he can't do that. Okay, got it. So you're saying when the Antichrist is on Earth that he would not be able to, let's say, levitate, correct? Um, not in a supernatural way. You might be able to create a parlor trick that looks like he's levitating like Chris Angel does. Sure. Like, you know, like we have like illusionists and, uh, you know, magicians do all kinds of wacky things that look weird, but it's not truly supernatural yeah so the simple answer is is chris basically this is gonna you know chris is coming at this like the the anything evil or whatever anything not god is gonna be the greatest david copperfield of all time that's how they're gonna do it so he would agree with yes lying signs and wonders 
but in a totally Chris Angel mind freak type of way, um, where other people would say, you know, maybe, maybe they would say they can do metaphysical stuff. So that, that's, right. that's okay. okay. And, then, and, then, and then lastly, I just want to get to Edwin's question about this Jesus example with, with Satan. So what, what, walk us through what you think is happening at that point in terms of how it how did Satan, you know, get Jesus to whatever place it went to and how was he able to show Jesus a kingdom? So what, what, what's your explanation in terms of how that occurred? Right. So is there any way that uh, Jesus to that he could see all of the earth? Yes, sir. You're cutting out a little bit. Is, is there any? Story, yeah, I'll be right back. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, uh, uh, See, try it now. I'm I'm chopping my father yeah, that's fine. off. It's always very choppy. Anyway, so okay. Is there a mountain high enough that Satan could have taken Jesus to to see all of the kingdoms of the earth, like China? Is there some place in Judea that no, of course they not. could see no. China? <laughs> of course not. So something okay. else is going on there. This is like of course him in the sure. spirit, right? So this is so like look. I'm not going to dogmatically say that Satan was giving Jesus visions um, because the text does not say that the text just doesn't say anything. So if we're going to say that Jesus is seeing these things in visions, that's fine. The text doesn't preclude that, but the text also doesn't say that. So we just don't know. We don't have enough information, but what I do know is that only the necessary being is the one who can perform miracles. Like, there is no such thing as false miracles that are actual, real, physics-breaking miracles. There's not... There, the Satan cannot raise somebody from the dead. That's the standard. Like, that Chris, is not... Chris, it says in uh, Revelation 13, 13 that uh, the false prophet can call fire down from heaven. Do you think that's supernatural? No. No. And, and that's also... And that's also... Right. And so that's also in a, an apocalyptic book and we don't know, like, that's not a literal statement. Okay. So like, how do you know that? We, well, because we use the literal historical grammatical method to read the scripture. And so I could go through an entire exegesis of revelation with you to show you all of the imagery that's used and where that's coming from, from the old Testament. But you know, that's beside the point. Um, because look, Christians can interpret these passages. The Bible is perspicuous. Like, it's not a big mystery, and it's not, well, you could be right or I could be right. Nope, there is one interpretation for every passage, and that is what the original author wrote. And if we can get at what the original author wrote, we can know exactly what every single verse in the Bible means. That is the promise of Scripture. So, that being said, what I wanted to say is that Jesus literally talked about this. He literally talked about taking miracles and assigning them to Satan. This is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So if anybody would like to run around and say that Satan can have some type of miracle power reserved for the king of the universe, that is the, the literal blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's fantastic. Knock yourselves out. Go for it. I don't want to be standing next to you. But you would also say that cannot happen in today's age. Correct. I mean, like in in the sense that Jesus is talking to the uh, Pharisees about it, because they're they're 
blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was assigning the works that they knew covenantally were from Yahweh to Satan um, because they themselves had, you know, uh, hardened hearts. Um, and, and Random says I'm in chat. And, are you on stage, Random? Feel free to. Oh, yeah, you are on stage. Okay, but he says in chat, uh, listen to the way uh, I guess Chris um, says this stuff. He starts from the assumption that the text is correct. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is also not the first day we've read the Bible. So, I mean, this comes from a lifetime, which I would agree with, Chris. Yes, we, at this point in our lives, like, there is more, uh, I don't know, there's probably more evidence that I believe makes the Bible correct than you're a real person and not AI talking to me. That being said, I totally believe you're a real person. Um, but, I mean, this is not our first day at the office. So, in as much as, you know, we've, we've uncovered the Bible, we have the spiritual relationship with Christ, uh, you know, the Bible has been verified, validated in our minds in a way that is indisputable at this point. So, yes, um, it may seem like a hand wave, like, hey, dumb Christians just saying the book uh, says it's true because it tells you it's really, really true. Um, I mean, this thing has been put, been put through the ringer by us and by billions of people um, over the last 2,000 years. So, I mean, um, yes, if we seem a little flippant and just being like, yes, yes, the text is true. That's how we're talking. Um, there has been some groundwork done um, just to let everyone's mind uh, be at ease. Um, but, uh, random, since you're on stage, would you like to, would you like to respond to that or anything? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I, I did that too when I was a Christian and, uh, and, and I think that from my perspective, uh, that, that is, that was one of the issues. Um, and, and it still like lingers with me today as, as I notice other people do it. Sure. I mean, how um, many, how many books on textual criticism did you read? Textual I was, criticism? I, I don't understand the relevance. What you literally just brought up was the idea of textual criticism. Is like, well, how do we know the, that the words that we have in the scripture are the ones that the apostles wrote? That's a that is that is not what I was saying. Oh, that is not the same thing. So you're just basically saying you're we're taking the Bible as being true. Right. There's there's a difference between there's a difference between saying is what was written what they wrote and uh between well sorry make sure i say this right there's a difference between saying is what was written what they wrote and is what they wrote what happened sure yeah no problem yeah but we have overwhelming evidence to be confident that what they wrote is what happened well, I wanted okay. to give Sean, because Sean is the current only person who I don't think has said anything. I wanted to give Sean a chance to talk if he's able and willing about whatever. And then I heard CEO. We can go next. Oh, boy, Sean, that's bad. <laughs> All right, I did that to myself. How many bars you got? Is it red? Oh, yeah, Sean. All right, try again when you get more bars. Yeah, we can't even I, – I, we could barely hear anything, but what we hear is not good. Uh, CEO, what were you saying? Um, yeah, so so Rand, I think what Chris is saying, and and it's a fair question, is so when you went through your process of kind of deconverting, and you began questioning things, did you take the time to look at what um, the Christian literature was as it related to some of the concerns that you had, and did you did you also were you as vehement and as as focused on finding the counter arguments to the concerns you had or where where were you in terms of your journey on that yeah i, I think it's a fair question i i think that 
a lot of it stemmed not from kind of from the distinction that that I just mentioned. Like it's it's not a it wasn't necessarily like a big thing to me at that moment of the of kind of the deconversion of like is what was what we read what they wrote. But it was more of okay, so the Bible claims that a donkey was just chilling and speaking to a guy. Did that happen? Kind of thing. And uh, and basically what I gathered and what I have reason to conclude was simply no, like supernatural events, maybe they can occur, but I don't really have good enough reason to conclude that they did. Right. So the basis by which we know that Balaam's donkey talked or that Jesus walked on water or that Peter walked on water is because of none other than the evidence of the resurrection. Okay. And so the, the, what people will do is they will skip over the most obvious supernatural event in all of human history and go to the minutia. Um, and so random, I think that the challenge for you is go ahead and disprove the resurrection of Jesus by whatever means necessary, knock yourself out. Um, I think that what you will find is that like hundreds of thousands of other people like you uh, that did look into the resurrection of Jesus, you're not going to be able to deal with it. Um, and then you are left with the choice. If Jesus really did raise from the dead, is a talking donkey like super hard? Like even Michael, our Canadian atheist friend is like, well, no. Like if the resurrection of Jesus happened, then all of the rest of the miracles are super easy to believe. And that is where we come from in terms of the Christian faith is that we start at the resurrection of Jesus because that is the, that is the gospel, right? That is what Paul preached was the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the presupposition that we start with for everything else. So how do I know for a fact that Balaam's donkey spoke audible words? Well, it's because Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus said that his word or the Old Testament that we know is the Old Testament is 100% true. He attested to it. Um, and so the guy who actually proved to us through supernatural power that he is who he said he was also says, hey, by the way, this book, you can trust it. I'm like, all right, cool. It's like, you know, it doesn't take any more cognition than that. I don't have to look into, do donkeys have vocal cords? And blah, 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 you know, like, no, it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, And also, well, also, like, you know, to the guy in chat, let's see, uh, quote, the evidence of the resurrection is evidence that a donkey talked. Um, I want people to read that and think about how warped your brain has to be to think this is reasonable logic. Um, I would like to say a perfect atheist with no bias regarding this conversation could easily hand wave it and be like, okay, so what you're really saying is uh, if this God of the Bible really uh, created everything in existence and sustains everything in existence, that anything is an automatic hand wave. And they would be like, yes, that sounds great. We just don't believe premise one that we have any evidence to believe there is a God who created everything. But if premise one is true, then yes, like Michael says, the Canadian atheist, um, that's not crazy, right? So even if you're yeah. an atheist, it's like we have we don't we don't have a animus against God. We just lack a you know lack of belief in a God or gods. Um, but you can say okay, if premise one, which most of humans have believed, 
uh, since the beginning of the world that there is some, not even Christianity, but most humans believe there is some sort of creator God that set things into motion. So if any of those people are right, that there is some creator intelligent design, then yes, anything under that umbrella, which is everything imaginable, is possible. They just disagree with premise one. That is perfectly reasonable, um, except they don't have evidence for premise one. Uh, Random, go ahead. No, I was I was going to agree. Like, uh, if there is a creator being, there in theory they have a lot of power to do things. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we agree. Like, that's what I expect a, a you know reasonable theist and uh, atheist or even an anti-theist to say. Um, um, so I, I think it's kind of like you know, what's that thing? It's like. Me doth think, uh, you know, like it, something betrays you or your actions betray you. What is that? Does anyone know it's like a Shakespeare play? It's like, oh, me thinks your actions betray you or something like that. Like when people protest, oh, yeah, is that the one? Like you doth protest too much? Um, when people really like mock and ridicule the idea too much, it's like, you know, you may say you're just a good moral atheist without the belief in a god or gods and, you know, whatever. You just disagree and let people do their thing. But when it turns like vicious mockery and like ridicule, I'm like, you know, Maybe maybe there's something going on that you're not quite as honest. Not not you, Randa, but whoever would fall into this. Um, maybe you're not quite as honest as you want to portray yourself because the things you're saying really betray the things you previously said. Um, it's just like, look, here's a premise. Do you believe in a creator God? Great. Anything is possible. Do you say you don't have sufficient evidence to believe in a creator God? Okay, great. That throws a lot more things into question. That's where it should be. Or that's the yeah, worst um... case scenario. Yeah, I also think that, like, let's say we lived in some alternative universe where we are all spiritual beings and there was inorganic material. They would laugh at the idea of getting something organic from inorganic. It would be hysterical to them. So we have had something happen in our universe already that seems completely irrational, we can't replicate, and no one has an explanation for that's the universe we live in right now. I think people overlook that a lot. I would I would agree. And uh, in a Rohan and Chad, I sent you an invite if you want to speak, or maybe you can't. That's fine. But um, I mean, you have some interesting points. Uh, let's see. You haven't proven that magic is real to begin with, uh, but then it does not follow that even if you have proven the first part that the other stories are real. That is nonsense for thinking. Uh, you're too short-sighted. Like z- zoom out. Get like to a thirty thousand foot view. We're, we're saying that if if there is this God, then anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean the individual stories automatically are real, but it means uh, there is no reason they couldn't be. So uh, also anything else that you considered supernatural or magic, um, if this God is creator of everything, then anything on that playing field um, in that sandbox is plausible. Um, I would also say that, you know, when you talk about magic, that's another that's another way, right? It's kind of like a buzzword to be, like, uh, to be just, I think, dismissive to a fault, to be like, oh, it's magic. I mean, even scientists are pausing up to like, what, 30 dimensions now? So even if it's not just like, you know, hocus pocus magic type stuff, um, what if it's something that we'll never fully grasp? Like what if all these uh, metaphysics or miracles of Jesus walking on water, what if it's not like, you know, magic in some like weird woo sense? What if it has something to do with like, I don't know, the things that science is actually suggesting could be real and it's some sort of like metaphysical interdimensional action and all we see is people being healed. Arms regrowing, uh, you know, blind people seeing, people walking on water. And there's actually, if we lived another 10,000 years, 
a totally you know rational explanation. And you're like, yes, that's how the miracle happened. That's exactly what God, you know, exactly how it works. Like it's nothing big. It's nothing like crazy magic. It's it's science. Um, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I think before you know we ever look behind the curtain and like discover, or you know, like the Bible also says, like you know, God spoke and things happened. Or if God's like, yeah, hey, I just spoke, uh, but the actual mechanics are this and this and this. Congratulations, you figured it out, humans. Uh, but before we get to that point, I think you know the Bible will um, conclude with Revelation because then we wouldn't need faith if we can prove God or whatever. Sorry for the tangent. Anyone else have anything to say on that? Everyone, welcome back. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mean to run you off. Um, it just it really perplexed me. Um, why? I, I, this it's not just you. Like this room has had pretty much zero chill today. I'm probably to blame for most of it. But did you want to um, say anything, Edwin? He is back, right? Okay, well, let us know. Anyways, Chris, what do you think about that? Or anything else? Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, look, like we keep saying, if Jesus rose from the dead, all bets are off, right? Like, you have to be able to have the intellectual honesty to say, like, look, if you can show me this, like, insanely, um, you know, imp impossible event can actually occur and that there's, there's like, really, really good evidence that it did from really reliable sources, like, then the rest of it is child's play. Like, you know, a guy getting healed from leprosy by dipping in a river seven times, like, that's child's play compared to the dead guy that, you know, had been crucified, um, getting up and being gloriously, uh, reconstructed. Like, I mean, and, and raised from the dead. Like it's just, yes, that, that miracle prefaces all of the other miracles. And, and again, this is another reason why we say that, you know, that contingent beings or, you know, like creatures can't do miracles. Like I can't do a miracle. Neither can you, neither can Satan. Neither can any of these people. Yeah, I had a question for CEO. Are you here? I'm here, yes. Yeah, I think that, um, I think systematic theology makes a lot more sense when we can think about the, about the creation in terms of its purpose for what the creator purposed it for. And what would you say the creator purposed the creation for? His glory. Okay. So it's for his glory. Um, so would you object to what he chooses? Would you object to what he chooses to do with his creation? Uh, are you going to give me the Calvinist thing you just gave him made, or where are you going with this? Just out of curiosity, because I because I am a, a quote unquote light Calvinist, so you don't have to take me down that route if that's where you're going. No, I, I was just I'm actually just wondering uh, where you're at, but. Um, so you do concede that the purpose of the creation is to glorify the creator and whatever the creator does with the creation is going to be, it follows logically, whatever. Yeah, so let me, so let me just, well, let me finish for you. 
Well, I mean, why do you over talk? But, but we can we can just skip to kind of the end here, and then you can respond to where is a point you're trying to elicit out of me. So I believe that we still it feels like choice to us. So therefore, it is choice, and we don't have the foreknowledge that God has. So there is no actual practical value in. Um, the Calvinist perspective. It doesn't change anything, so therefore I don't focus on it because it has no tangible value. Um, so does do you think that God requires your consent for your salvation? No. Okay, good. I didn't know there were so many Calvinists in here, to be perfectly honest. So God does not require your we've, consent. First. We've invaded, Daniel, so we've decided to invade and, and help out Nate. Well, there's a consistency with, with, okay, I'm not a believer, right? But there is just this in, incredible consistency within Calvinism. And I, I wanted to bring that to the to the forefront because I feel like there's a certain inconsistency with um, unreformed. So it seems to me that you, CEO consents to, one, God did not ask our permission to create. He could have not created, right? So... Obviously, he doesn't need our consent in anything that happens. Doesn't need his, he doesn't need your consent to save you, right? Like you're in heaven and you're going, oh God, why did you, why did you go ahead and, you know, you know, strip me of my free will, right? You're going to complain to God about your, your salvation. No, it, it, it's perfectly clear what's in the texts. God, but you're putting, I just don't, you're putting I don't words into my mouth. It. But there's like yeah. all this over talking, man. Like what? Sorry. It's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't internalize it the same way you do, right? I, I basically think that we experience it as choice, right? It, 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 so it just happens to be a case God knows what we're going to decide. We, however, experience it as though it's choice. So therefore, it is choice. I okay. Don't let me get so deep about that. Let's say that God grabbed you. You, you were dead, right? And oh, he does um, CPR, right? And you're brought back to life. Um, do you object to this? <laughs> no, I wouldn't object to that. Okay. Then why do you object to this unconditional election? What I'm talking about is the practical value of the perspective. I'm not objecting to it. I'm just saying that there's no value in it because we don't have the foresight to have his knowledge and it and everything that goes the way we experience it, the way our neurons fire, et cetera, everything makes it feel like a choice to us. So therefore I understand it's a that's, not... that's it. That, that's just my yeah, you... baseline. I don't so think you're you, trying. What are you trying to break beyond that? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what you were were responding to there, but the idea is that um, it seems to me that you have this notion that if it weren't for your consent or this collaboration, as you see it, then it it, it wouldn't glorify God. It wouldn't be a free. There wouldn't. There's something missing by God merely selecting those whom he, he shows mercy, right? It, there has to be a collaborative effort. But the, but the idea is that 
God does not need your permission or your collaboration for anything. But why would you think that otherwise? He doesn't care if you say yes or no. I you are. Said, you, hey, hang on. I, never I disagreed I, with you. <laughs> I don't well, understand what we're what we're like, debating here. Well, I'm, I'm I'm confused on multiple levels, and I, I keep chiming in because you know I, I guess I've been included by Daniel in this you know part of so many Calvinism uh, people. And I, I just perplexed. One, why does it matter? Like, why do you need us to have this label? And two, because I dispute things. You're like, well, I can't believe you guys believe this. I don't. So yes, it, it's like a, the only. There is no practical difference in Calvinism and or reformed and non-reformed. Um, there's there's like like no discernible practical difference. It's all like a philosophical mind warp and how you understand things. So it's like the chicken or the egg. It's like. Did you choose? Well, did you choose because God made you choose or did God make you choose, which is why you only think that you chose? It's just it's just a never ending loop when everyone should be concerned with, hey, if you're Calvinist or uh, Arminian, you're still saved by the blood of Jesus. And if you're not one of those groups, um, you need to get one of those groups real quick. That's the ultimate point that Calvinists and Arminians would tell you, regardless of, of uh, you know, if they think God is forcing you or you're choosing, if you're someone who can repent ask Jesus to save you and forgive you and make you born again, um, it doesn't matter if that was your time that they think God forced you to do that or if you freely chose. If you're someone who can do that, then you are saved. Um, the other thing is, no, I don't think God needs us to do anything, but I think God in his divine sovereignty demands we make a choice. So who can thwart the rule of God? No one. So if people think that God doesn't care if you choose, he just picks, fine. I don't believe that. I think God in his sovereignty says, essentially, I demand you choose. As a sovereign God, this is my decree. Choose. And we choose. And then once we choose, you can reverse engineer it to places I don't care about, which is, well, God always knew you were going to choose, so he was always uh, electing you. Um, it always seems like you chose. It doesn't matter. If you choose, you choose. If you confess Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And... If you still care once you're in the abode of God one day, then be like, hey, God, um, you know, I guess I still care about this now for some reason. Can you tell me what really happened? Did you choose me or did I choose you or how'd that work? Um, anyways. Yeah, I would just add briefly. Um, it's hard to know where to begin because you say that, look, the mechanisms of the, is irrelevant. There's nothing different between Calvinist and myself, the synergist and the monergist. What's a big deal? You know, um, get into one of those, get into one of those camps and, you know, you'll be cloaked in um, the blood of Christ on the day of judgment. Um, but the idea is, is that the Arminian calls into question uh, God's sovereignty. So it seems to me that God is not sovereign over some, one thing, and that is the human, human autonomy. So it seems to me that you want to preserve something essential about humanity, that there's this choice, there's this something human there that is outside of God's sovereignty. But this is entailed. I know that you don't say it, but the entailment is that, look, this is a rec this is required. This is required for what is what would be considered love, is that my choice be considered. Right? But you have to keep remembering what the purpose of the creation is. The purpose of the creation, according to Isaiah, is, is for the glory of God. 
right, is for God's glory. It has nothing to do with your autonomy. It has nothing to do with your choice. Everything is about the glorification of God, either in making manifest his mercy or making manifest his justice. Now, there's something about that that's repulsive to people that don't want to read the text as it plainly is plainly stated. Um, there's no choice. God doesn't want your, he doesn't need your choice. Doesn't make anything better by you choosing and not choosing, right? God's already completely glorified prior to creation. There, God doesn't require a creation. And this is what the hypocrisy of, of the Arminian is, is just to reject the sovereignty of God. And that is you're going to hell. Yeah, I've got to interrupt. Like, if there's any proof I'm not a Calvinist, good Lord, is this not it? No, that's a straw man against the non-reformed Ar Arminian position because that's exactly what they – like, did you used to be a Calvinist when you were a Christian or whatever? Um, give the yeah. other side a try. Give the other side a try because it's not rejecting no. – like, I, I literally answered that in the last time I spoke, which is God in his sovereignty demands you choose. So that's the way I believe My it. My father is a PCA elder. Who can – I don't care. Um, who can thwart the will of God? No one. So if God says, I am God, you cannot call into question my sovereignty. Therefore, I demand you choose. That's what we're doing. So it would be questioning God's sovereignty if we tried to say, oh, no, 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 we don't get a choice. When we're say saying, no, no, in God's sovereignty, he demands we choose. It's the ultimate respect of sovereignty. It's like if Jesus – like the Muslims have this problem too. They say, well, how can God you know, come and eat and sleep and drink and go to the bathroom like a human? That's so ungodly. Well, if that's what God demands that he's going to do and decrees that's how he's going to do it, who are you to challenge God? If that's what he's going to do, that's what he's going to do. Roll with a pack. Fall in line. And uh, you know, the other thing is Jesus says, it, it, yes, everything is for the glory of God. But it's not a monolith. It's not like that's the that's the only thing, and there's no there's th that stands in your way, and there's no other possible reason. There's plenty of stuff like you know, yes, everything ultimately is for God's glory. But what are some of the things that get to God's glory? You know, Jesus Himself says, you know, I came to seek and save the lost. He didn't say I came to pick winners and losers, and you know, you're all going to glorify God in your damnation. Like He specifically talks about how He came to seek and save the lost. And if you know, He didn't come to judge the world, but the world through Him could be saved just by believing. So yes, ultimately, everything is for God's glory, but what does that look like? Seeking and saving the lost, for example. Um, okay, anyways. Mm -hmm. Well, then, then, then it would be very easy for you to say this. Um, Almighty God, my choice is like filthy rags before you. Are you intentionally misquoting scripture? Or? No, I'm asking you to, would you be willing, or do you, do you hold uh, this to be this proposition to be true? My choice is like menstrual filth before you. Yes or no? No. Besides okay, the glaring well, misquoting go. of then scripture. Then be autonomous, Nate. All right, then be autonomous. Go ahead. Okay. There you go. You have your autonomy, right? And you also have hell. <laughs> You're also mis. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can I, I don't. I don't even know where to go with this. Like, I. I, I want to like. Yeah. Just say I, what. I get... Repeat what I said. Almighty God, my choice is like filthy menstrual racks before you. Period. Are we in the twilight zone? Why would? Why? Just why? Like, should we like put you on a petri dish and talk about why Nate. you're an atheist? Chris, what is going on here, man? 
Is this, am I am I just making no sense? Yes, what the you're fuck making no sense, da Daniel. Uh, so I, I want Chris, to just Daniel. What's for a going second. on so, here, man? So, da Daniel, Daniel, I want to try something. You see no, the I'm Matrix leave. movies, right? You, well, hold on. But you've seen the Matrix movies, right? No, please stay. <laughs> um, there's a scene in the Matrix. I'm too. getting no backup here. I'm getting fucking dogpiled. Because you sound crazy. All right. Chris, do you think that that is an an a, a false representation of of Calvinism or false representation of what the Bible says? I think that I think that one of the things that we talked about the other night that you have been trading in is then on the one hand you go into the Arminian rooms and you get them whipped up about you know how Calvinism is the greatest outrage in cosmic history. And then on the other hand, you come in here and you're trying to confuse and bamboozle Nate with things that he's never heard. And so I, I think that, you know, this is not a, I, I don't think this is a genuine conversation. I'm not trying to be rude, Daniel. But, no, fair uh, enough. Love it. I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to speak. And I'm just perplexed because it feels like, yeah, I got you bamboozled, but I'm like, there's no bamboozling. Like, I, maybe I need to say things different. Like, again, this is not my first day at the office. Like, it's not one or the other. Like, if there's a Calvinist, it's like, if you say you choose, you're autonomous, God's not sovereign, hell is your home. Which, you know, there's like one person I've met who said that, and they pronounced hell on me because I'm not like them. And to that I say, great, I'm glad you're not my judge. So I'm confident enough in what I believe and the grace of God that say what you want. It's just really weird um, that an atheist is coming in trying to like force a Christian into a certain belief they think they have to have when it's just not the case. And that is bamboozling to me. Uh, grace and peace. Hail Mary. Hey, Nate. Huh? Have you been what? bamboozled and stressed enough today? I've been bamboozled with the enigma that was presented today. Like, why does someone who doesn't believe any of this stuff care so deeply about, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, maybe the devil, um, but, you know, why, like, kind of pitting different Christian theologies against each other when it's utterly worthless? Um, well, like, what interest is there in that? And then kind of, like, telling the Christian what, what what you asked, I'm trying to answer, right? Who you're trying to cut into. But it's like, and then trying to, like, tell Christians what they believe. Like, that's like when, you know, Christians tell theists about, Rome or atheists about Romans 1. It's like, you know there's a God. You know there's a God. And, yes, deep down, I believe they know that. But as much uncovering as I'd have to do to get to it. For all intents and purposes, yes, I believe them when they say they don't know there's a God because it is shoved way down in them. So it's the same kind of ire that that evokes. Um, you know, when they're like, you know there's a God, you know there's a God. And it's like, well, you don't like it when we tell you what you believe. So how do you think that's going to go when you try to tell us our beliefs? Uh, CEO. Yeah, I was just going to say it just seems like he was he's in a diplomatic packaging sewing – um, division, just in a very kind of diplomatic, calm way. That's what it seems well, like. I mean, that does sound what it's like, but it's just weird because I've talked to the guy a ton, and he's always like, you know, super chill and just ask questions and 
So I, I don't know if it's like the, yeah, the Calvinism Arminian war that seems to be raging on clubhouse that um, he's like, well, let me, you know, I'm not either of these, but you know, let me throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. It's just, it's just odd in my humble, whatever. Chris, what have you got to say for yourself? Calvin did this. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, Arminius did it because everybody was fine until he came along. But anyway, so, um, you know, um, we were talking about that the other day, about, like, what the Synod of Dort was about. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, look, Daniel, Daniel is a provocateur. He will tell you he's a provocateur. He's not shy about telling you he's a provocateur. Um, you know, that's one of the things I like about Daniel is that he's a provocateur. Um, well, but to take him seriously and try to actually answer his non-genuine questions, that's just falling into his like little web. Well, for all the um, people, I guess people listening who do care about this, do you want to have like a five minute discussion like and present, you know, your points accurately? And, uh, you know, do a little Calvin Arminian, even though I don't consider myself Arminian, you consider me a Calvin, with, whatever. Do, do you want to find, like, the who? accurate point? With me. Like, do you want to find the oh. accurate, like, like based on, based on uh, you know, kind of yeah. Daniel's premise, you just want to take, like, five minutes, because I don't want to do this for long, um, and just find, like, the uh, irrefutable, like, both of us are like, yes, these are the accurate points of disagreement. And I guess if we find none, then, you know, maybe I'm a Calvinist. But so let's try to like be be real and authentic and just quickly find the legitimate points that we disagree on that separate us and uh, then show how we can all be friends. Well, right now, I don't think there's a lot that you do disagree with me on. So that's <laughs> going to be tough. But, um, you know, like, look, the basic premise of Arminianism is that God has called everyone to himself. OK, so, you know, they'll rock uh, the John 12. I think it's 28. Um, you know, that when I am lifted, when the son of man is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Okay. okay. Um, and so that's the proof text that they'll use to say that God has drawn everybody to himself and that all you have to do now that you have been drawn is exercise your libertarian free will to choose either for or against following Christ. Um, and once you do that, then, you know, you're granted the Holy Spirit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Calvinist would simply say, it is impossible for man to choose because libertarian free will is a fairy tale made up in the third century AD and that, uh, you know, you are regenerated and then you exercise faith. That's literally the only difference between Calvinists and Arminians um, in terms of how things happen. So Calvinists would say you are, you had a heart of flat or heart of stone. Your heart of stone is taken out. You're given a heart of flesh. John chapter three. So that's, that's it. That's the big contention. That's the big hairy deal that everybody's so upset over. I don't understand it. Either one works. The Senator Dort settled this 400 years ago that we can still call synergists Christians. Um, they literally said that. So, you know, there's just no contention. And I would say that no one could come to God unless the Spirit draws them. When you hear the gospel, yeah. you can respond to that. And... We would agree that the only way you can respond is because the Spirit had first called you, um, but I believe that net is cast very, very far and wide. And uh, from the perception of the person, anyone, even Michael, right now, if he's a person who can say, you know what, I've heard this gospel enough, 
I will choose to follow Christ. I believe you exist. I believe you're real. Please give me this eternal life you talk about freely without payment. Congratulations. You have chosen God. And then from the philosophical mind bend chicken and egg before there, no one should care. Lots of people do care. No one should care how it happens. Praise God should be the answer all around. Um, Michael, Romans 1, you believe in a God, you know it, you filthy demon. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, <laughs> let me, yeah, let yeah. me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Hang on. That's <laughs> coming off the heels of someone kind of telling me my beliefs, so I figured I'd just tell you your beliefs for a minute. Okay. All right, let's reset. Happy Tuesday. Wednesday? Thursday? It's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Oh, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, well, no, it's 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 messy up here in Canada, too, because Monday was family day, um, so, which is a holiday. You know, like a lot of socialist countries, we have a lot of holidays. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I positively did zero work. I mean, I, I don't work much any day of the week, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, very much kept in uh, very, very much kept in the, in the rhythm. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was I was chatting with somebody last night about um about the whole thing you know about knowing and stuff like that and and it's you know like i mean knowledge is a subset of belief right we've talked about this a million times you can you can believe something without knowing it but you can't know something if you don't believe it right uh chicken and egg thing and so you know you you can tell me that you you believe something that's fine but if you tell me you know something and I, again i've said this a million times you better be able to demonstrate your knowledge because knowledge is demonstrable with measurable accuracy. And if you can't show it, you don't know it. You just believe it. Um, I want to ask as much as I've heard you say how cushy your job is and how little you work. Could, could you hire me as like an underling to be an assistant to work remote, even though I have no skills in this area? Just saying. Or <laughs> <Four> credentials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, let's see, how did I get my job? Um, four, four, six, eight, uh, my current job, eight years of post-secondary and, uh, 14 make that, years. Make that into, you gotta make post-secondary into American. What does that mean? Well, yeah, but I asked to be your underling, so I wouldn't need the same credentials as you would, presumably something less. Um, but, it, no, but you can't show it. you. credentials. <laughs> Um, if you if you can't show it, you don't know it though. Um, there's also maybe a little more nuance there because um, people will show you their evidence. Um, so if they like, okay, like we were talking about the resurrection of Christ, right? Like they'll say, "What's your evidence for that?" Okay, uh, eyewitness eyewitness testimony, multiple accounts. Here's the Bible. Um, here, here's why. Here, here is me showing it. And you will say, "Oh, okay. Well, that's not convincing to me." Um, but if it is convincing to them, you may say it's bad evidence. But it's not like they are pulling a rabbit out of a hat and being like, "Just take my word for it." They're like, okay, well, we're here. I think this is compelling. It's enough that I believe it, um, and I think you should too. So, I mean, you know, they have showed you, and it should be respectable. It's like, okay, well, if you say um, you believe multiple eyewitness accounts and testimony, um, and you believe this has been handled properly and, you know, handed down accurately and not been edited or whatever, then, okay, I can see how it's reasonable. But for me, I have a higher bar. Uh, therefore, yes, you did show it, but not in a way that convinces me. Is that fair? Um, yeah, it's fair. Like, again, we talked about, you know, before you don't have any power over what, what it is that convinces you. Right. Uh, to go back to Chris's question, post-secondary. So uh, an undergrad and a master's. Um, so, it, but okay. So 
when, when you boil it down to the lowest common denominator for Christianity, it's the Bible. It is the Bible that I find to be not credible. And so, like, you know, we, we, again, breaking it down to lowest common denominator, you're always going to go back to, you know, it says, talks about this in the Bible, talks about this in the Bible, talks about this in the Bible. Okay, fine. But that same book that says those things also says all kinds of other stuff. And if it is, if it is as it says, the Bible is, you know, God-breathed, uh, right, and uh, useful for teaching in, in all things, and it is the inspired word of the creator of all things. But I'm sorry, that, that, that just doesn't hold water. Because if you hold the Bible and the claims that it makes to the lens of reality and what it is we can observe, test, and demonstrate, it, it leaves you with a couple of, I think, really, only two possibilities. Or maybe three. Um, it's, it's true, and the people who wrote it down were morons. Um, it's, it's not true. Or the creator that did it didn't understand how to communicate how reality works in this book. And not and none of those are the problem of the people who read and try to interpret this stuff. And it all depends on on the lens you're looking through. I, I, I fully accept that. You have to try to limit, you can't eliminate, but limit your biases as much as possible. And and when you look when you look through those lenses, that's how you're going to filter through the evidence presented and whether or not you find it credible. At the end of the day, <clears throat> you are you are the judge and the jury. You are the independent judge and the jury. I find this credible. I rule in the favor of X. I find this not credible. I rule in the favor of Y. And I, I think I would like to add a fourth option. One, uh, maybe a fifth, but one would be, um, and, and without citing your exact, uh, your exact issue, um, maybe I'll miss the mark a little bit. I mean, you know, you have tons to pick from, right? So things that you would uh, say are against science or things that you would say are metaphysically impossible, um, the existence of a soul. So, you know, there's a couple different categories. Um, so my rebuttal may not be exact, but it's holistic. You can make it fit. Um, but that would be, or, uh, like Jesus says, you know, he speaks in parables and, you know, you need spiritual discernment and you need God to help you understand some of these things because it's not for everyone. Like he's not trying to communicate 100% to every single person perfectly. Um, I mean, that, I mean, why does that make him sound mean or is there a, another nice sounding reason? But it, when the disciples ask him, he's like, look, it's meant for you. It's not meant for everyone. And that's God's good pleasure. So on one hand, maybe option 4.1 is that it's supposed to not be completely understood and communicated in a way that everyone is like, I see what you did there, Mr. Creator of the Universe. I see that. Um, some people are going to be like, this is nonsense. This is foolishness. Even the Bible says, you know, the foolishness of the cross is, you know, to, um, for those who are perishing, it's foolishness. But for those who's being saved, so the people who are supposed to get this, um, whether you call it reading through the lines by divine guidance or whatever, um, and the other one would be um, certain scientific claims, like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, how, how physicists are positing up to, I, I think most of them are around like 12 or 15, but it goes as high as like 30 dimensions. Um, and, and I only say that just to say how much is out there that we don't know and we may never know. So it could be very much the case, maybe for 4.5 4. Um, option, that if we lived another thousand years, 
You'd be like, yes, okay, like 50 of these issues in the Bible that were scientific inaccuracies, walking on water, all this. It was actually metaphysics, and, you know, Jesus was, uh, you know, he create, he is the creator. And because of that, he created all of these uh, different dimensions and walking on water, healing people, all this stuff. He was interacting on a multidimensional level, and that's how miracles happen, kids. Um, just something like that. And then all of your criticism of the, that category would disappear like that, completely rational, completely scientifically explained. Um, so that, that's what I would say. For one, the confusing, communi confusing communication, and two, uh, perhaps the way these currently uh, understood by science um, events would be impossible to happen. And I think it's worth, worth, worth uh, withholding a little judgment for. That's all. Well, yeah, and it's interesting, right? But, I mean, and it's hard. So when you talk about, you know, like, um, you know, spiritual discernment, well, the problem with that is that, like, from the from the outside looking in, I have all kinds of people talking about spiritual discernment for all kinds of different things, right? So I have to try to filter that out, right? Because you know, it's like if you you know, it's like you can speak to uh, you can speak to a rabbi, you can speak to an imam, you, uh, an imam, you can speak to a priest, you can speak to you know a Reiki master, you can speak to all these different people, and they've all and they will all claim spiritual discernment. So then you say, okay, let's go back to the sources of the spiritual discernment. The the the, the Quran is, I I, I almost let uh, I almost let something fly there. Um, the Quran is idiotic. Yeah, the the Quran is idiotic. No, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna swear. Um, oh, the Quran okay. is idiotic, right? Nice knowing um, you. <clears throat> the you know like the the idea that some dude flew to heaven on a winged horse, um, and you know and that this this revelation was given to an illiterate epileptic, and yet somehow tr translated perfectly, is is asinine. It's ridiculous. It's not something that should be taken seriously. And I look at the Bible the same way. And so when you talk about spirit, spiritual discernment, I'm sorry, but it's like I said before, it's like all you guys get together, you work out the spiritual discernment, come back to us with the one real thing you could actually demonstrate, then we'll put that through our lenses and see if it actually holds water. And then the, to the last point you said about the, all these possible dimensions and stuff like that, I don't know. Um, I think about, you know, the, the three, you know, um, you know, the, the ones that we can actually identify. I don't even know how many that is anymore. But I mean, it's like, you know, if, if all these things, if all these things, it's like saying if, if everything was different, it would be different. Well, of course, that's just a, that's just a tautology. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to say, well, what if, what if, what if? And what I fail to have the capacity to get my head around is the gargantuan if that you're positing. Well, yeah. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, maybe some of it wasn't super kind, but yeah, I mean, that's the whole point, you know, express a little faith or, you know, um, I don't know, uh, do some digging or I, I mean, at least in the worst case scenario, I think it should get someone um, like if you say you don't believe in a God or gods because you haven't been convinced and you don't think there's sufficient evidence, then then fine. I, I think the next uh, reasonable step you could do instead of someone being like, well, you know, I don't know about all gods, but I definitely 1000% know this God can exist. I'm like, eh, I, I think the next reasonable thing away from, look, I'm an atheist just because I don't believe in a God or gods. That's it. Um, okay, I hear your God claims. I hear these things that sound preposterous and insane. But, um, you know, I will withhold judgment just in the interest of never saying never. Um, I think that would be studious. Um, 
yeah, and then beyond that, we just we just disagree. Like I'm a theist, my particular brand because I believe I'm convinced, and you are no brand because you have not been convinced. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like, and, and in no way do I close the door to the possibility. Like, it. I think if you're going to have a degree of intellectual honesty, you have to be prepared to accept the fact that you could be wrong. So, could I be wrong? Yes. And it is. I'll, I'll, think, never, I'll, I'll never slag somebody for admitting that they could be wrong, right? And so, you know, I mean, that, that's the question that I would pose, you know, like I, I'll freely say I could be wrong. And my question to you is, Nate, could you be wrong? Um, I want to say, uh, yeah, I'll say sure, I could be wrong. Um, but then if you ask if I think I'm wrong, not at all. We, we, kind, of got, we kind of took a dark turn yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, the answer to your question is sure. I could be wrong um, just because never say never. Um, I, I could be in a, a vat in a jar, you know, building this whole simulation up in my head. It, it's a plausibility, I guess. Um, so yes, I could be wrong. That being said, do I think I am not even a little bit. I am just sure as sure as I can be that I'm right yet giving just enough allowance to say I could be wrong. Um, and we, we took, kind of took a dark turn yesterday where someone was like kind of pressing the issue. I'm like, because uh, we were talking about the um, the disciples too, and it's like, well, you know, you're not really probably going to die for something you believe is a lie. Doesn't mean it's 100% true, but it means it's really good evidence that that person believes it's true. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying go homicidal and try to kill a bunch of Christians, but if you want to test the belief of me, for example, I don't know, man. I really hope it doesn't come down to it, but put a gun to my head and be like, do you deny Christ? And I like to think I'll be like, no. So it doesn't mean that God is true. Um, but it should be rock solid evidence that, uh, if I'm willing to die for it, um, I really believe it's true. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and that's, a, turn. that's an interesting, but, but that's a, it's a valid point. Right. And the, the willingness for somebody, like I've, I've heard this said before, you know, people, but, uh, the, uh, you know, talks about other, the people in the first century who were, uh, you know, who were killed for their beliefs and, and martyred for the things that they believed because they wouldn't, you know, like early Christians and stuff like that that did those types of things. And people say, well, you know, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't die for something they didn't they didn't believe in. I have no problem conceding that. That's a that isn't even hard to concede. But their willingness to die for something they believed in has no impact on the truth of the matter. Right. So so you could be prepared to die for this thing. Right. And you could still be incorrect. Right. All the people sure. you know, like like the um, uh, what's his name? Jim Jones. Right. Sure. How, how many people, you know, quote unquote, drank the Kool-Aid? They were convinced that they were right. That they were wrong. <laughs> we think maybe they're on a spaceship. I mean, I don't believe that, but I mean, interest of never saying never. Right. How yeah, about yeah, that suck if they were on a spaceship and we're all wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, but but in, in the same vein, right, you know, like where, you know, where you would say, you know, could you be wrong? Yes. But you are, I think it's fair to say, you are convinced that they were wrong and that they died for nothing. That's what I believe, yes. Yeah, and, and, I believe, and I believe exactly the same thing. Yeah, that they died for nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the only purpose that would really serve is to just show because I think I think a lot of times people will think, 
oh, you know, Christians don't believe this because they're scared of the dark or they're scared of dying or, you know, they, they're brainwashed or indoctrination or whatever. Like, like if, if it really, like, push comes to shove, you know, they would recant. I, I think the only purpose that argument serves is being like, well, <laughs> guess they really believed it. Um, congratulations. Now you are a murderer and going to go to jail. Um, so well, I don't no, know what and, that would prove. Yeah, and it's really interesting, right? Like, if, you know, I mean, like, self-preservation – I believe is the most basic human instinct, um, and I think that there's a little bit of leeway when it comes to, to 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 women, like to mothers, because there seems to be something within there seems to be something within the makeup of what of what is a woman that that kind of bends that a little bit, and I don't understand that because I don't have those chromosomes, but self-preservation seems to be the most basic human instinct, and even though I would like to say that I would have the courage of my convictions. Right. If somebody was like is like if you take your analogy, right, where someone, you know, is lining people up and if they, you know, if they affirm God, they live. If they deny God, they die. I would like to say that I have the courage of my convictions, but, you know, but faced with that, I'd probably save my life. I would expect most people to do that if they really, really were convinced. Um, and, and, you know, that's like what a lot of people say, um, which, which you kind, we kind of got to. Um, but there's like people who are really adamant about it, and uh, which, again, makes me think that they're not just a little old good moral atheist without the belief in a God. Um, they, they may, if you scratch down quite a ways on the surface, really believe in this God and really just be like viscerally angry at this God hearing how they talk. Um, it's like, man, if you just were tabula rasa, blank slate, no evidence um, – you probably would be a little more apathetic than that. But when you hear some people say that, you know, if God is real, he's going to have to answer for me. I mean, you know, read Proverbs 30 for the answer. But um, he's going to have to answer for me and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to have to tell me why he killed my parent and why this happened and why I've had all this trauma. And, you know, um, and if he's going to push me to hell, then fine. I'll be like, do it, do it. Send me to hell. I'm like, you know, um, there may be like, I don't know, in the interest of never saying never, like three people who would actually follow through with that. I think most of them would be trying not to like soil themselves. Um, if, if spirits can soil themselves. I, I don't, um, anyway. I don't even think, yeah, I don't even think you, yeah. Again, like if you carry on with that, that thought process that, you know, if they, I don't think you'd be able to stop. I don't think you'd be able to stop yourself. Right. From soiling yourself. Um, but it, like, it, it is interesting, right? Because depending on the stories we talk about, like there are in the interest of fairness, there are some good stories in the Bible. There are also some horrifically terrible, unbelievably bad stories in the Bible. And depending on what we're talking about, right, um, I can say, like, my Irish gets up quite a bit. And I have said, I have said to you, I have said in this space that if you know, that again, have, hoping to have the courage of my convictions. If everything you believe is right, then I would be the person shaking my finger at this God. You know, like I, I like what Stephen, uh, Stephen Fry was uh, in, in an interview once. And he said, you know, let's say you're confronted by this God. You know, what do you say? And the first thing he says is, he says, okay, childhood cancer. W what's going on with that? Um, you know, um, African eye worms. You know, these... These uh, parasites, the bot worms, that, yeah, 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 exactly. That you know, like, what, what's what's the deal with that? 
you know, like I would, you know, and said like, I would like to think that I would do those same types of things. But I think in reality, I would probably, <clears throat> you know, need a spiritual diaper. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, like, but but I think that's just being that's just being real. But depending on the stories that we're talking about, like, um, what's a good one? Uh, Elijah from Second Kings. Right. That's a horrific story. Right. Um, you know, the prophet Elijah is, you know, leaving uh, a bunch of, yeah. you know, like, and I've, I've, I've actually, I've actually heard it argued. Yeah. I've actually heard it argued that it they weren't children, that it was a gang of, of, of like young people, that it was a gang. And like, that's dumb. That's not even what the Bible says. Um, but, and I've, I've actually used this as an opening to one of the quote unquote debates that I had on, I think it was modern day debate a bunch of years ago. And I said, you know, basically a prophet of God gets butthurt and, you know, calls to God and says, hey, punishes things. And, you know, bears come out. And she, I think the Bible says she bears, you know, and rend, you know, rend children to pieces. That's terrible because because a prophet of God got insulted. That's that is not something that that is reasonably morally justifiable. And so and so my Irish ticks up. Depending on again what it is we happen to be talking about. Yeah, and I have heard the oh oh, and I forgot there, there's some other people I want to see if they want to talk to. Um, oh, CEO left, but uh, yeah, other people can get in here too. Um, I, I have just a few minutes left as usual. Uh, Michael, you're late, but yeah, and you know we can argue. Like I, I I've heard that argument too, and I don't remember. I think they get that. Like I, I mean, if anyone cares, you can look up the original word. Um, but you can go like generously in like you know some kind of self-defense argument like. They were an actual, you know, like the the migrant gang, like beating up the cop, like the video that's went viral now, um, where it's very much like, you know, young adult people beating the crap out of someone and say, okay, well, if that's the case and it's self-defense, does that still warrant murder? If he's a prophet, couldn't he have like just, you know, had like water rush up from the ground and carry them 50 feet away safely and then learn their lesson? You could argue that or completely um, strict be like, no, it is as Michael, Michael says, these are just like, I guess they'd have to be old enough to, you know be mean and boys and like you know be able to yell and speak so i don't know what age that is six seven eight so let's just say they're actual kids and it wasn't a physical altercation they were really just making fun of him then you could say yeah that's really rough um and then you could try to further um further rationalize it be like well you don't know only god knows the heart so like uh, you know like ananias and sapphira we think that um they are actually in heaven even though God killed them uh, for lying to the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And, you know, your husband, he's just carried out, and now you're going to join him. Peace. Um, and they died. And you think, wow, that's really rough. But they lied to God. Uh, however, God in his mercy prevented them from going too far, even though they lied. Um, he killed them and took them to heaven. So it actually was a net positive because they don't have to worry about the rest of their life. So you could try to justify it that way, which I would be sympathetic to. I think, well, if that's correct, then that's correct. Um, you know, these kids got spared botworms in the eyes and a life of pain and misery and war and death. Um, if they were indeed, you know, uh, following following the law and, you know, this is just a bad thing. And, uh, you know, God still saved them because they had faith in the uh, faith in following the law because of God, um, however young they were. So God had them killed to prevent further, um, you know, like coming away from the law or forsaking God. So their net positive is they're in heaven before even their parents. Um, so that would be good. Or if you take in it, which I'm sympathetic to that one, or if you take an incredibly uh, strict, just God is evil approach, um, assuming you're, you're allowing God to exist for this and say, no, prophet got butthurt, um, called bears, 
straight up murdered these people and uh you know they're dead um yeah that sucks you just have to be like well god's the potter he's the clay whatever and uh, decide if that's so evil that um you know might makes right or might makes the way things are and you're just gonna be like hey god can do what god wants i'm not gonna make fun of any prophets um that, that would be the most unjust rendering of that um but I, I like i said i think i'm sympathetic to the second one where um if they had faith in god um or if they weren't as young and innocent as the story as people would commonly believe somewhere in between those two um i think is justice and i'm fine with that there's like a merger of justice and grace um, I don't take a total generous approach to the storytelling, nor do I take a total uh, worst case scenario either. It's somewhere in the middle that I believe is accurate. Uh, did anyone else want to get in? Or, random, go ahead. I, I do want to hear. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think ahead. it's interesting. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, still going? go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, I, th I think it's interesting. Basically, the the, the the, the method through which there's justification, the method through which uh, uh, individuals take, let's say, this this, this story uh, and justify it. And I, I guess my question would be, if I trained she-bears uh, and then had them maul a crowd of children because they insulted me, could I justify it in the same way? Well, they were just, I, I didn't know if they were going to harm me. Like, would, would, would I be able to get the same justification, like efforts to justification that you just did? Or are you just, because it feels like it's just trying to defend God's justice. Um, no, I mean, my only, I mean, I guess you can call me a liar if you want, but my only um, stake in this fight is accuracy. So that's the only thing I'm beholden to because, you know, again, believing in God, that he's the potter, we're the clay, you can do whatever he wants. If I really believed it was a worst case scenario, these are young, innocent elementary, well, <laughs> young elementary kids just yelling and screaming bad insults. And, uh, you know, the prophet has them eaten for it. Um, I'm like, yeah, that sucks. Um, you know, don't make fun of prophets. That would be my answer if I believe that was the case. Uh, but I don't right. believe that strict worst case scenario is the reality of the situation. That's the only is, reason is, I is don't it, take that answer. Is it because, but, like, if God does something, it must be right? Is that, is that that's the that's, that's basically the perspective, right? Um. I, I, yeah. So I want to say yeah. It yeah, can't it can't fall then, into the well, category of unjust or something like that. Well, well, no, because we're also not talking about God, though. Like, we're talking about a prophet of God, um, you know, who presumably used, um, you know, used his blessing from God to do this. So I, I also wouldn't say in this case that he would be wrong. I just want that, like, known separation, that there have been prophets who have done things wrong. And you can't say, see, um, like, what, Balaam was, like, beating his donkey, um, which inspired the donkey to talk. But so, like, Balaam, like, you wouldn't say, well, see, God was right, because that prophet beat the crap out of his donkey no god's not responsible like that was a bad thing that happened right so you can have people doing things uh wrongly and you can't say well see that was right because god had them eaten well no the story says elisha did that so if he misused his power from given by god or something well, again i'm not saying he did but just say there's another level than just god 
it, has there ever has there been was. has there been another any other example of basically supernatural ability via profit or something the, but the supernatural ability being used to do something that you would not say is just uh, sorry i was reading something say it one more time so is is there any other example in in the Bible? Because I mean, my, I, I know a little bit of the Bible, but I wouldn't say it's like super in depth. Um, is there any other example of a, uh, a supernatural ability via prophet something or whatever um, being used for something you would categorize as unjust? Uh, yeah, well, like Balaam's donkey, like that one. Um, and I mean, no, know, no, no, uh, the supernatural that. ability being used. So, for example, you you were saying that like. Calling the she bears would have been categorized. I think would be categorized as a as as the usage of, for for lack of a better way of putting it, the usage of supernatural ability. Has there been the usage of supernatural ability towards unjust ends? Uh, yeah, maybe if I thought for a second. Sorry, I was trying to I, I was trying to like look up the historical context, like why people. Um, Michael sparked that, like why people think it was like uh, teenagers and not not children. So I, I was looking that up. Sorry, I was distracted. Um, so, uh, can I think of any time there was like supernatural power used, um, in a way that should not have been used, right? That's the question. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, Chris, are you there? Can you think of any time that, uh, people use like, you know, God's power or blessing or whatever you call it from a prophet or something in a way that would be disobedient? Unless we've made Chris sleep. Off well, the top of my head. Um, yeah. Yeah, like Nick, I, but that can't that can't be though, right? Oh, I'm also not saying it was. Keep in mind that. No, no, no. But I, it I'm also not like, it was but I mean, according to the Bible, it can't be. Ephesians one eleven said everything is done for his purpose. So it doesn't matter what ha whatever transpires is what transpired because it's what he wanted to happen. Uh, for his purpose. Spoilers, uh, Michael. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I mean, I've read the Bible, guys. But for his purpose, there's a lot, there's a lot of like gray area to be talked about, though. Like for his purpose, ultimately, like for his glory, that doesn't mean people can't disobey. And you know, God turns what was meant for evil for our good. I mean, there's a whole Bible book about that. Um, so whenever we say things kind of flippantly like that, like, well, look, if you know, little babies, you know, get eaten and murdered and all this stuff, God totally wanted that. Um, there's a little more to it than that. Like just because he can turn it around in a way and like get glory from it does not mean it's his ideal. Just like, you know, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But for those who don't uh, come to repentance, it doesn't mean God's happy that they're going to be hanging out in hell. Um, but he can still turn it around and get some glory from that, either by showing con like Romans 9 we talked about yesterday, by showing the contrast of these vessels for destruction, which would be those people, um, and show how he's being patient with them. Uh, to give a contrast of the amazing love and richness that's going to be bestowed on these vessels for honor. So doesn't mean he wants people to go to hell, or doesn't mean he wants little babies to get eaten by bears or kids or whatever. Um, but if it happens, he can still turn it around and use it in a way that people recognize his glory. So okay, so then uh, we have to we have to call in the Cal I, I gotta I gotta I gotta tag in the Calvinist here. Um, so, Chris, I mean, I, I'm not sure how you could. I, I mean, you. I think. I think that if if Chris were speaking right now, hopefully he can. 
because there's, from my understanding, and this is like conversations I have with many different Calvinists, including Matt Slick, where there's God's permissive will and his decretive will, right? So, I mean, you would, I, I mean, I think the only way you could reconcile that would be to parse it out to his permissive will. But that kind of flies in the face of what, like, what the Bible says, right? He, he knows, the Bible says that God knows the beginning from the end. So he already knows what has happened because he's timeless, Might right? This that, is, yeah. yeah, this is, this is irreconcilable with what it is that you're saying. Wait, how? Because he can't regret something or feel bad about something that he already knew was going to happen in the first place. That is, well, that is incoherent. Well, the way you said it, I would agree, but that's not the way I said it. Like, we're playing these word games where, like, I'll say something, and then you'll kind of use a synonym to make your case and be like, with a synonym, you're like, there, see, that's what you're saying, and it's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's a synonym because it may have similar connotation, but it's a very different word. So similar is not the same. So um, that's like we've gone three categories from Balaam and from um, from Elisha and the bears to something about God's glory. And then to now whatever, like we, we've shifted three categories based on synonyms. So okay, I would so agree the way the you said one, it. Okay. Okay. So let's stick with the first one. Did God know? Yes. That the that, that the kids were going to insult him, and that and did he know that that uh, that Elijah would call down a curse, and the Bible the bears would come out and rip him to shreds? Yes, that doesn't right. mean he wanted it or is happy about it. It means he allowed it, and that's what you wanted the Calvinists to give you the different wills, like the the creative. Oh no, no, I, I get it, I get it, but that's like so so for me, if you. And, and, and I guess I can only chalk this up to perspective. It is, it is irrational for like all these things, like, you know, the beginning from the end, all these different things. And you're still going to like, so he already knows what's going to happen. And the Bible says, you know, God wants the verse you brought up. He wants for none to perish, for everyone to come to forgiveness. But he already knows that's not going to be the case. Yeah. And it's, and it's all for his glory, Ephesians 1.11, and like for his purpose, it is, it is, it is for me irreconcilable with uh, verses like 1 John 4, God is love, right? That is, that is irreconcilable. I, I, I accept it's irreconcilable for me from a human perspective, but that's the only perspective I have. Well, I mean, you can still use that human perspective though for, for a, the totality of scripture. I mean, it does, it does, if you're not going to believe it, um, which is your choice, but you, know, you should, but if you don't want to, fine, but you can still have a, like a, I believe a proper understanding of it. So yes, that will mean, um, wasting some time and stuff that you think is fairy tales and fake, um, to get a cohesive understanding of how these things can be. So if God is love, how can God hate? Well, what does God hate? If you love someone, can you hate evil? Can you hate things that, um, that are trying to harm the ones you love? Yes. Like there's several things it straight out says God hates. doesn't say God is hate. It says God is love. But God hates several things. Um, I forget it's in like Proverbs, like mur uh, hands that rush to do murder. Um, but very clearly he's pointing out, yes, God hates people that do this. And, it's not, and people say, oh, it's the act. No, it says hands that race to like, you know, commit murder or unnecessary violence or, or things like that. So very clearly God hates some stuff. So 
what is it? Like we're told, like, you know, in Christian theology, the story goes, even if you don't believe it, that if it's a binary choice, align with Jesus, be saved like you're supposed to, or you have no choice. The other answer is to whether you think it's your choice or want to or not, if you don't align with Jesus of the Bible, you are aligning with the devil, the ultimate evil and thing that has wreaked havoc um, on the world over and God's creation. Um, there is no love loss between that. So if you're someone who God is like, yes, today is the day of salvation, repent, have eternal life, it's free. Um, and, and you, through any other reason, like, no, I don't want it. No, I don't believe it. No, I'll hold judgment for further evidence. If your answer is anything but yes, you're defaultly aligned with the prince of freaking evil. Um, so that being said, God doesn't want that. But if that's the the way it ultimately goes through any reason besides yes, then you are evil. You have aligned with evil and you are on team enemy. So I think that's how God can be love. But you've made your choice. He's also just. So if you're aligning with evil, whether you think you are or not, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, okay. You're effectively aligning with the side that wants to do harm to the Christians, to God's side, to God's children. And I can see God being totally loving, having some really visceral responses to that, like throwing that person in the pit of hell that was created for the devil and his demons. If you want team demon, you're going to be treated like team demon. That's not the, that's not what's supposed to happen, but any answer besides yes to Jesus is yes for Team Demon. That's how the story goes. Even if you don't believe it, um, I'd like to think you could understand how, okay, that makes sense. I don't believe it, but yes, I see how um, if you don't align with God, the only other choice is the most evil thing on earth. Okay, fine. I guess that makes some sort of sense. Yeah, unfortunately, I've only got a minute or so left, and it would be unfair for me to kind of slap and run. But the, the one thing – I guess the one thing that I would say is, uh, no, it still doesn't make sense. I still find it incoherent, uh, and, and I use the, the Bible for this, right? So like um, Isaiah 45.7 says, you know, I create good and, and uh, good and bad, light and dark. I create good and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things, right? Um, now, there are some versions that say calamity. And I've, I've heard that used in his apologetic, like calamity is a good thing. Um, but w whatever, doesn't matter what synonym you want to use for that. Um, it is, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because there's no, there is no contradiction in God, like, and, and in this way, actually, I think the, the, uh, the Muslim God is actually more merciful because like the, the Quran talks about doling out mercy that is undeserved, right? Uh, like over and above. I, again, it's still BS, right? It's still BS. But, but, this, but that's one difference, right, in, in, the, in the holy books. There's no, there's no contradiction. There's no logical reason why God can't do what he says. And because like it is – he's the one who decides what is just, Right? You would agree that God is the moral foundation? Sure. Right. So he can decide. And if, and if God was to decide, look, here's a bunch of people that didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't follow the rules. But I know their hearts, and so I'm not going to cast them into the lake of fire. Let's say that. Let's say I was there. Let's say you were on the sidelines and I die. Right. Unfortunately, let's say you died before me. 
Um, and now, and then I'm there and you're on the sidelines and God's doing his, his wave at me. And I've got my spiritual diaper on and, you know, and he's, he's like, look, he, this, and he's, he's kind of like preaching to the choir, so to speak, everybody else. He didn't do what he was supposed to do, but I know his heart. So I'm going to let him in. Are you going to throw up your hand and say, that's not fair. Cast him into hell. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to challenge God. That would, I mean, that's kind of like exactly right, what we right. talk about. But, so then, but, and, but and nobody mind. would, and nobody would. So he can just he can he could. There's nothing. There's nothing contradictory with him just deciding. You know what? Okay. You know what? Ugh, it's not very just, but everybody gets in. Every you know, it's like it's like Oprah. You get heaven, and you get an eternity, and you get an eternity. There's no contradiction in that. And and if it's possible for God to have that, and it's what He wants, like in the Bible says. Then there's no reason why he couldn't do that. Okay, and this so is why now, it's coherent, no. partially okay. at least. And now I hate that I have to go in like thirty seconds. Well, I don't but know if I'd say co- <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, I don't know if I'd say it, it's not coherent as much as you could say. And I, I, I get how you'd say that, except there's a glaring like we don't know what we don't know. Perhaps like you know God, if He obliged you. Um, would be like, okay, Michael, here's the answer. You're like, oh, wow, I've been so wrong. This totally makes sense. I see it. You know, I can't believe I missed that. So there's that, right? Because, you know, God's ways are not our ways. So, you know, maybe there's a whole level of logic that we don't know that makes perfect sense. Um, beyond that, though, um, just because – I'll try to say this quick. Uh, just because I believe hell is eternal and real and torturous and forever, don't go there, um, in the interest of, hey, I could be wrong. Um, consider the other alternative. So it would be bad if you just take my view, and I mean, you know, I guess it doesn't matter because you don't believe in God because you say you have no evidence or you're not convinced, it's fine. But one of the reasons, it would be unfortunate if I was wrong about hell, which I really don't think I am, but there are other people that think I am who think annihilationism or, oh, hey, you know, it's just going to be like every atheist thinks it's going to happen, just lights out peace, be, be dust, my son. Um, or universalism, which is complete absurdity, but I could be wrong. So it is as you say, and then everyone's happy, and you're like, Oh, huh, I was so wrong. I wish I didn't waste so much of my life fighting against this Christian God. Um, anyways, so it's worth noting that, yes, I could be wrong, and there's also purgatory, and you do the time for your crimes and all that. So my convictions, no, hell is literal. It's awful. It's eternal. Do not go there. But um, in the off chance that I am wrong, that would be unfortunate if that was a real big reason for people's problems with God for something that the Christian was wrong about anyways. Again, have I gave enough disclaimers? I think I'm right 100%, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. And now I'm, uh, I got about a minute. I'm just driving to, uh, just driving to my meeting, but it's, it's close by to my house. So there's time to uh, repent. I'll speed order the robes. <laughs> well, you know, Hey, well, you know, when I'm convinced, uh, but no, it's, you know, as, as always, you know, I appreciate the conversation, and uh, and to everybody else in the room, like random. I'm sorry, I took so much time blabbing. You should you should talk more now. <laughs> Michael, it's I'm always offended. a pleasure. It is thought provoking and challenging. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, random. Go ahead. I'll give you the last little uh, couple comments before I have to also run to. What's up, random? Oh, I was just gonna jokingly say I'm offended. How dare you, Michael? <laughs> Anything else you want to say, random? Nah, I ain't got nothing. All right, and I guess is Chris still on the phone? He's been quiet for way too long. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for being here. Fun day, and I guess we will catch you all tomorrow. Have a good one. See ya.